Willie Nelson bringing us in with Whiskey River. People, how you doing? Welcome back to the Fantasy Highland Podcast. I'm Pete Davidson, your usual host. Uh, today we got really uh, quite the episode on tap. It's, uh, I think, just short of two hours long when all is going to be said and done. Um, got a, my good buddy and uh, longtime guest of the Rotobon Pod, uh, Evan Silva, uh, stepping up drinking some whiskey and dropping tons of uh, fire takes on running backs. So um, if you are getting ready to do some drafting in the next couple weeks, I think there's going to be a lot uh, in this show uh, that could help you out. And, you know, a couple things maybe even for me. <laughs> but Silva just has so much um, good stuff to say. Um, as I mentioned on the show, uh, Evan, uh, well, <laughs> Wiggins button hooked me a little bit. We were going to be drinking Maker's Mark, but Evan got this fabulous gift in the mail, uh, a barrel bourbon. And I was lucky enough to be able to grab a bottle myself, so we pivoted. We went into, we went to the barrel. Um, so I had my first taste of this stuff on air. Uh, really enjoyed drinking it over the course of the two hours. Uh, worked down about four drams. This stuff is cask strength. Um, it's batch number 22, for anybody who cares. There's a lot of different batches on this stuff. Um, this stuff is uh, aged five years. 116.6 uh, proof, so we're talking like just just short of um, 60 ABV. Uh, this is potent stuff, uh, and it's really good um, for sure. I, I think the thing I like the most about it might be the nose, or at least um, last night. I mean, I was really enjoying, yeah, as Evan was talking, I was sort of nosing the whiskey, and I'm like, man, this is some really good stuff. Um, you know, uh, as far as taste, um, you know, most of the flavors you would expect um, in a bourbon but I thought there's, it, you know, it had some deep character to it. Um, now, uh, definitely, as I started working through it, it was sharp at first because uh, I drink a lot of strong whiskey. Most of the stuff I drink is, you know, probably probably between 45 and 50 ABV. Some stuff in the 43 range. Um, but I drink my daily dram. The thing I like the most these days, as I've mentioned, is the classic Laddie by Brook Lodic, uh, and that stuff's 100 proof. So it's not like I'm used to drinking 80 proof stuff, but. Uh, it definitely caught your attention how strong this stuff is when you start. So at first, my palate had to adjust to that a little bit, as it did. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this whiskey. Now it was pricey. I, you know, it. I dropped about seventy-five bucks to get this. Um, uh, I've seen it listed for more, so I didn't. It didn't hate myself for doing it, uh, but it's more than I usually spend on a bourbon. Uh, maybe in a future pot, I'll get back to you on whether I plan on repurchasing this stuff. I'm going to work through the bottle before I make that decision. But this is definitely good stuff. It really is. Uh, according to the folks who make it at Barrel Bourbon, um, well, I'll just read it right off the bottle. We hand select and marry these bourbon barrels from our inventory to bring out the best characteristics of the whiskey. Um, so, you know, you've got a, you got a mixer and a master there. They're doing their best to sort of create individual batches. 
Um, and each one, according to, the, and this is the only one I've personally tested, um, but it sounds like these batches really are very different from batch to batch, which is interesting. Um, so at some point I'll drop uh, some future notes on this as I get to know it, but it was an enjoyable experience. Uh, and in retrospect, I appreciate the button hook, uh, but I really don't want to go too long with the wind up here because Silva and I just go on and on and on. We managed to hit all 32 NFL backfields. Um, we jumped around a little bit. Silva was passionate at a couple points, wanted to just jump to a team, which is great. Um, but we hit all 32 teams. Now, some of them, you know, you know, you don't spend as much time on certain backfields versus others. Um, but I think we hit a lot of stuff, had a lot of fun. Um, and uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. Uh, we will have podcasts coming up, just, you know, for you Rotobotters out there. Things are going to start to heat up, obviously. Hopefully the COVID stuff is handled and uh, we're able to have some football. I will be dropping positional rankings uh, in the coming days, and all of those rankings will have uh, associated podcasts. Definitely have some... Uh, some whiskey pods coming up as well. Fantasy Highland is going to keep going. Uh, trying to get Curtis Patrick on the show soon. That'll be a bourbon show. Um, trying to get my buddy Man Bun on the show to drink uh, to drink a little Highland Park 12. We'll see if that comes down. Uh, but uh, we, we definitely got some good stuff lined up for this show. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully the Rotobon pod doesn't become the whiskey pod. That'll what, that, that's sort of what's going to happen if we don't have any football. Uh, hopefully that won't happen. Uh, but for now... Uh, pour yourself something nice, kick back, and uh, enjoy a long running back-centric conversation with the one, the only, the great, the fantabulous, Evan Silva. Okay, folks, at this time, uh, I would like to welcome back to the program, I think probably the guy who's been on this show more than anybody else, but it's been a while, um, the great Evan Silva of Establish the Run. Evan, how you doing, bro? What's up, man? Doing real well. Um, you know, staying hopeful and optimistic for the season. Um, it sounds like as teams have been reporting to training camp, there have not been a ton of COVID cases, um, you know, diagnosed. Uh, and we don't have to get into all that, but I mean, it is an element of our analysis, a potentially very, very critical, I would say certainly very, very critical element of the way that we have to present context um, when we analyze players and, and situations and, and the effect that it has had, I mean, I, apparently there's going to be about 14 days of practice and, and eight padded practices before week one, zero preseason games. This is obviously unprecedented in terms of the level of preparation entering week one. And that is really the foundation of where our analysis, I think, will come uh, when it comes to coronavirus, because we're not freaking medical experts. Yeah, me neither. Um and yeah, this is going to be an interesting August for people who are adjusters, for people who like to to fiddle with the rankings in August, because what exactly are you going to fiddle with? I mean, there's no games. Um, we're, I don't know what the practice reports are going to look like, and there's not as much practice action as you alluded to. So this is just going to be one of those Augusts where it's like, don't stare too long at the sheet. You might start doing stuff you don't want to do. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah. And it's going to also going to be interesting because preseason games – you know, even though they're very small samples and it, it can be very, very noisy, uh, right. they drive ADP without any, you know, beyond any shadow of a doubt. And I, I think that, I mean, it, it's been a big part of, of our analysis, uh, Adam Levitan and, and I's, because, you know, Adam Levitan will go through, and I'll do it sometimes too, will go through and chart, you know, who's getting action with the first team offense. What position are, are they, Dwayne McFarland is maybe the best at this. Uh, Dwayne McFarlane, uh, who uh, writes for us and for PFF. Dwayne's um, outstanding. 
outstanding. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Um, at you know charting the preseason games and figuring out like you know like even like the X Z and and the slot receiver, identifying you know the X and the Z and you know who's truly playing what position. That that can lead to you know direct uh, training camp battles. Um, it's going to be um, you know there's going to be a lot less information this year. There was a lot less information even leading into the, uh, the NFL draft this year. And I had my worst mock draft in like five years <laughs> because I always leaned on a lot of information trickling out. No one was at team facilities. You know, there was no pro day circuit. There were no, you know, uh, uh, there were none yeah. of those pre-draft rumors that I, that I always rely on. And, um, I had a terrible, terrible mock draft. So, um, yeah, so I, I it's, it's, it's going to be a tough year, but, I, but, you know, going, doing the exercise that we're going to do right now, I think can be really, really helpful. Yeah. I, I mean, the draft for me, it was bonkers, bro. Cause I, I mean, New York was hit really hard at that time. So like, I'm just like ducking COVID left and right and just trying to not get it, get it. Cause I'm, I'm like, man, if I get COVID two weeks before the damn NFL draft, I'm going to want to, you know, well not kill myself, but I mean, it was New York sincerely was, when it peaked here, it was just madness. And it was right in that run up to the draft. So, I mean, for me, it was just, I was like outside because I mean, you know me a little bit, like the month before the NFL draft is like, like my endorphins are popping usually that month. That's like my month. I love it. I'm a pig in shit. But uh, this year it was just, I, I was concentrating more on where am I going to get chicken than, mm. you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, is this guy, uh, you know, what was his actual breakout year or whatever? Anyway. Um, so yeah, what uh, what Evan alluded to, listeners, uh, is we're going to be working through running backs and backfields tonight. Uh, we decided that about twenty minutes before the show because um, we don't like to have notes and things to lean on. We like to just let it fly. Um, and Evan and I, because this is the Fantasy Highland, we are drinking. Um, and as John Daigle did, Evan threw he uh, for those of you who know your Adam Sandler stand up. Evan button hooked me at the last minute. Um, it was actually Wiggins who button hooked me, I guess, technically. Um, but yeah. Andrew Wiggins sent uh, Evan a, a – this is like a housewarming gift, I think, yep. right? Yep. Uh, a bottle of barrel bourbon, which I had never tried, about a cask strength. Uh, luckily, I was able to go out and grab a bottle myself. So we're – for those Where'd who you get thinking, it? Where would you get it? It's supposed to be pretty good, right? It, well, I'll tell you what. I've already had two sips. It is good for sure. It's strong. Like, I mean – there's no way to like sip this stuff and not notice that it's it's potent mm-hmm. and it is, yeah, 116 proof, almost almost 60 percent ABV. That's that's a potent whiskey. It's also five year aged bourbon, which is interesting. Um, and the the thing I found interesting about these guys is, you know, there's a lot of bourbons where they'll say they'll put the batch number on it, and people will say, well, they're good batches and bad batches. But these guys, every batch is like totally unique. Like the flavor profile of each batch is unique. So. Uh, de- definitely an interesting uh, whiskey. I'm glad I picked it up. And uh, by the end of this, I'll probably have a stronger opinion. Um, I'm, I, I'm I, drinking I, it with uh, <laughs> 7-Up, unfortunately. Wiggins, <laughs> hopefully Wiggins won't listen to this. He's um, he's ensconced <laughs> in NBA uh, uh, okay, you know, research good. right now anyways. but um, Nobody tell Wiggins. Nobody alert yeah, Wiggins nobody to this tell Wiggins. <laughs> so, well, yeah, what we're going to do here is uh, we're going to sip some whiskey. Um, this is good stuff, by the way. Mm. Yeah, this is good. Um, and we're just going to go through these NFL backfields. I've got them logged up by uh, alphabetical. 
And um, so let's just start right now. Let's just dive in, man, because we definitely are not long on time tonight. We are making a point not to do one of these Davidson Silva, you know, Titanic, like the movie podcasts. Yeah, the Bender podcast. Yeah, no, we did. We we did. We went well over two hours one time. Um, So we're going to start off with uh, Arizona. And this this backfield, I think there's something to talk about here. You want to go first? Sure. I think that a good starting point uh, with regard to this backfield would be that they finish number two, that the Cardinals finished number two in rushing offense DVOA at Football Outsiders last year behind only the Ravens. Um, we had Brandon Thorne, an excellent, maybe the best uh, offensive yeah. line and, and defensive line uh, analyst on, um, on our recent podcast. And he was talking about how the scheme can be so beneficial to the running game they don't necessarily have great individual pieces on the offensive line uh, but their scheme is really really effective at uh, maximizing the strengths and minimizing minimizing the weaknesses of the offensive line as a unit Um, they return I think every starter up front yeah and including Justin Murray who was terrible at right tackle they're bringing back Marcus Gilbert and they stole Josh Jones in the draft so they are looking at, you know, bringing back all their guys and then adding talent. Um, Kenyon Drake is a guy that really was an underachiever, I believe. Um, I don't even know. He was in a bad situation, you know, under Adam Gates. We've seen so many players flourish after getting away from Adam Gates, and Kenyon Drake is one of them. Over the final eight games of last season, after he was acquired from Miami, he was on an, a sensational pace, almost 60 catches, um, almost 1,500 yards from scrimmage, um, you know, double-digit touchdowns. And I would say that I like some of the players uh, throughout the rest of the backfield, but I would not consider them to be, you know, strong competition. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm a big fan of Chase uh, Edmonds. Uh, I did a lot of college work on him. You and I actually talked about him last year, and the the one thing that always stood out to me with Edmonds, and no, he didn't play the greatest competition, but I didn't watch a game of his where he wasn't the best player on the field with his college tape. I mean, it was clear. It was, it, he stood out, best player on the field. Um, and we saw when he did get some time last year, he looked real good. I love him as, you know, whatever you want to call it, an anti-fragility, zero RB, back once you get to a certain point in your draft. I think Edmonds is a great pickup, but I'm with you. Drake's the guy. Um, and the way this team spreads people out, the way they consistently put three and four receivers on the field um, should should lighten up boxes, should give him room to move. And then I think the other thing I like about him, Evan, is his quarterback. I think for a young quarterback, Murray can find the run young, – for a young quarterback, Murray can find the backs. Uh, he's fundamentally sound. So, I, I you know – so where I might not want to, you know, Lamar Jackson, I don't get juiced up for his running backs passing statistics. I think Kyler is going to be much better at finding the back. Well, and we, you already mentioned it. We saw that last year. Um, so yeah, do you, is it worth getting into? Is Eno Benjamin the third guy on your list? If if, if both guys get COVID, Eno uh, Benjamin is at such a disadvantage by being a seventh round pick in a year where right. I mean he's not going to get any reps on the practice field, and he's only going to. He's only going to go in the, in, in the game in, in a situation, in a, an emergency situation. Chase Edmonds is one of my favorite running backs to draft uh, in like the 10th round or so. Yeah. 
Um, because I and do he, and he will that, slide further than that sometimes. Yes, and I, I, I do think that uh, he has a, an outside chance at standalone value. I'm not expecting it, but I think that there's right. maybe 20% chance or something like that. And, yo, if, uh, if, if, if something happens to Drake, which, by the way, Drake has never been a workhorse in college or the pros for, for a full season. Right, um, and he's had injuries at that low-volume level. Yes, and uh, and Chase Edmonds, I mean, he's a smash. So, you know, if you're doing, if you're, you know, you, you're going a little light at running back early in the draft, like Chase Edmonds, um, awesome, awesome pick. I think we took him last night in our in the draft that uh, that Adam and I did the Football Guys Championship, uh, three hundred fifty dollars buy-in, where we went zero RB, which I know is really really frowned upon, but I, I came away from our from our is draft really? absolutely loving it. Why? I don't want to go on too big a tangent, but why is zero RB frowned upon? I'm actually looking at this year thinking it's a valid way to play. It's super contrarian this year. I mean, you in our draft last night, I think from pick two, 204 or something to 211, which is, I don't know, like seven or eight picks, like seven of the eight picks were running backs. And it was like Gurley, James Conner. These guys are going in the second round now. I think we're going to see – I know, Connor in the, the second. Con- no, Connor in the second is interesting. Yeah, um, it is. I was. I mean, I was. I. I was loving Connor in the fourth there for a while. Oh yeah, I, that's that's over. Days huh? are long gone. Oh well. Um, okay, let's let's jump down to Atlanta. Obviously, Gurley's at the top of the board here. He definitely is a magic box cut player. I mean, would you be blown away if Todd Gurley had like a big year? I wouldn't be blown away at all. I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't necessarily bet my house on it or anything, but. It's definitely in the range of outcomes. Um, do you have a guy? I mean, so let's do two things here. A, do you sort of have a a, a friction point where you will consider Gurley in a draft? Is it? I mean, somewhere, technically, somewhere in the third. Technically, if you look at my rankings, uh, I'm even on directly even with ADP on Todd Gurley. I think his yeah. ADP is RB14, and we have him at RB14. The thing is that I have him at like. 30 something overall and he's starting to go in the second round and I, I love the Falcons offense I would be willing to buy him I'm not going to take Todd Gurley in the second round right yeah I know I'm I'm down, down with that is there a back on that team after Gurley that you would yeah sort of I, I think on? that and and uh, I, I took uh, Brian Hill with like one of my uh, I think maybe my last pick in the Scott Fishbowl Um, I think that he is the next best back in that backfield. I've never been an Edo Smith believer. I think he's just a a true jag. And then um, Allison, I just, I don't think he's got enough explosiveness. So um, yeah, I think that Brian Hill consider, I mean, and Todd Gurley, look, he played what 15 games last year. They kept his, his snap percentage actually like increased over the course of the season. Right. Uh, But he still does have the, uh, degenerative knee condition concern and therefore I think that Brian Hill as like a super suit you know one of the last guys that you draft I think he makes sense yeah and and you know I I don't know if people are bringing this up very much but I, I'm always I always like to pay attention to you know running backs what kind of surface they play on and you know Gurley's going to be on turf and he's in a division with a lot of turf if I'm not mistaken so um you know that's uh, not necessarily a good thing um let's 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 drop down. And he's played his entire career on grass, right? Georgia and then uh, and then uh, L.A. Rams. Right. That's what that's yeah. that's what I was going for. And I mean, what? Let me see. What, uh, the Panthers are on grass, right? But the Saints yeah. are on turf. Um, Saints are on turf. 
So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, – he's – I mean, I haven't looked at his schedule, but I definitely don't like him playing more games on turf mm-hmm. um, because you're talking – I mean, the, the, the condition he has, it's not a specific ligament in his knee that's a problem. It's sort of general arthritis, mm-hmm. and that's the kind of thing that pounding and, and banging will have an effect. Um, take it from a very arthritic older dude. Um, so let's move down to Baltimore. Um, <laughs> I was actually in uh, one of those 350 buy-in drafts uh, a couple weeks ago with a bunch of total total sharks, you know, Nelson and people like that. Um, and Lamar sneaks into the fourth round, right? And I didn't want to go quarterback early. I wasn't planning on it. And freaking Lamar is there for me in the fourth round. I'd like the eighth pick. So I was looking for something, you know. Hey, and I think you I, take him. I think you I take t- him. And, and, I and I'm total late round QB believer. But Yeah, me too. And I, I, did, I didn't really want to do it, but I did it. And I knew it was going to cause a problem for me at running back. And it did. Um, I, I went mixing in the first round, Lamar in the fourth. Between there, I banged Nuke and um, – and A-Rob. So I, you know, feel good about those guys. Um, but when I came to dealing with my RB problem, um, because it's a tight end premium format and I took Evan Ingram in the fifth, I came back in the sixth and I ended up with Ingram. So I'm bringing this up now because really? I'm, I'm, I'm a ball. I love player. that start, dude. I love it. Are, are you okay with it? Yeah. You all right? Yeah, yeah, okay. Absolutely. I, now, absolutely. the only thing was when I took Ingram, I could have gone Dobbins, but I just, I felt like I needed the more secure option at that point. Yeah, no, I think in, in May, uh, I had Dobbins ahead of Ingram. Um, I mean, because Dobbins is just a way more talented runner. Yeah, but I, I mean, love Dobbins. The, the trust factor, um, Mark Ingram did play at a very high level, you know, within the context of that offense last year. He's not going to score five receiving touchdowns again. You know, he's probably right. not going to score 15, but he could score 10 again, no problem. Right. Um, I just need the guy – I mean, going back to my team, which no one cares about, but I just need the guy to be an RB2 for me. He yeah. Need to, he doesn't need to win it for me. He just needs to hold down the fort for me. I actually just boosted him. I have, an, I have an RB29, and I boosted him to, all the way to RB21 because I think he has gone from a player that eh, I'm sort of willing to take, uh, you know, if he falls past his ADP, to now a guy that I'm, like, very willing to take, actually, and I think might be undervalued. Yeah, I've got him at 22, so we're close. And um, he's a guy with a history of being able to put up decent seasons in a two-back committee. Like, he's done it before. You know, last year, he he was the lead guy, but he only got half – like, the other three – the other backs sort of managed to collectively get about half the juice. I mean, I'm going on round numbers here. I should probably not talk out of my you-know-what, but – they, I mean, they also – the Ravens have a really soft schedule this year. Uh, one do. of the easiest right. schedules based on opponent win totals, and that's so perfect for them. They're just going to impose their will game after game after game. Right. So just to what I'm saying, um, he played 511 snaps last um, year. Didn't play week 17. Um, and then Edwards is at just over 400, and Justice Hill is almost at 200. So, you know, like I think Ingram can get 511 again. It's just that those other 600 touches, a lot of them are going to be going to Dobbins. I, I, mean, I could be wrong, but to me, it, I think it, it probably breaks out like that. Um, now, if, if where would you be at on Dobbins? Would you consider him – because he's a potential home run. we got to at least, at least give him that, right? I mean, I love the way that kid runs. It's just so oh, hard, man. right, with, with, with Baltimore, just because 
he, he could average six yards a carry this year. I mean, Gus Edwards was at like five, two last year. Hell yeah. Absolutely. You know? He could. Absolutely. I just, you know, how much, how much potential for receptions is there? Minimal. Yeah. Minimal. That's the thing. That's, that's the thing. That's, yeah. that's the thing. So you're relying on a guy who's probably going to top out between, you know, 10 to 12 touches per game. And you're lucky if one of those is a reception. Um, exactly exactly yeah so he's he's gonna be like a tease i think um unless he unless ingram gets hurt of course right uh then he's then he's a league winner i mean yeah, yeah. forget about yeah, it forget about it yeah i'm with yeah. you uh, okay so and and you know for what it's worth i like gus edwards too and i think justice sure. still is still a guy you never know when he's gonna pop so that's my buddy I, josh norris thinks that if gus edwards had you know come up in the 1970s you know he would have been running for 1500 yards every every year <laughs> dude he's fun to watch he doesn't yeah. he, he he doesn't miss his reads he just he hits it every time you know it's, it's nothing fancy but it works he's good he's a good running back um let's jump over to buffalo next up um, this is a backfield where I really want to get behind one of these guys. For me, if I'm going to buy one, it's going to be Moss, um, just because he's cheaper and I happen to like him. Um, where are you at on this backfield? Uh, I'm pretty much avoiding it because the Josh Allen effect. Um, yeah, it's killing the yeah, red zone. I mean, first of all, he he's he doesn't he checked down at the lowest rate of any quarterback in the NFL last year, and he also yeah. um, vultures rushing touchdowns. So <laughs> to put uh, it mildly, <laughs> right. So Devin Singletary, I mean, you know, I like the dude, but he's got a, a limited ceiling because of Josh Allen and a, and a lower floor than you think because of Josh Allen plus Zach Moss, who was drafted in the same round as Devin Singletary. Right. Um, and is, you know, 223 compared to Singletary's 203. Right. So and it, Moss is actually Singletary a, a is in a void for me this year. Yeah, and and the and I've I've heard a couple people elude to Moss like, well, he's the bigger back, but he's also a back who can play all three downs. It's he can catch the football. Yeah, yeah. he can absolutely catch the football. He actually might be a better receiver than Singletary. He might be. I don't know. He's Moss is definitely one of those guys where he doesn't get enough credit for just being good at the game. He's good at the game. Yeah. Um. He just doesn't have a whole lot of holes. You know, he's not. So, uh, we had Sigmund Bloom on, and he he thought that Moss just isn't explosive enough. Right. Um, which I mean, I think that that's there's a fair argument there to make. Another thing about this uh, this running game in general is that they're returning all five starters from their offensive line. Um, they were 15th in football outsiders adjusted line yards last year. So you would think that with the continuity, which should be a competitive advantage this year, um, that they can maybe get into the top 12. Uh, Brandon Thorne had them as number 11 ranked going into the season. So. That that's and their defense going to be good. They're going to be in you know good positive game scripts. So there are there is something to be said for these guys. It's just I I, I need my running back to be scoring touchdowns and catching passes, and I'm not sure that Singletary is going to be doing that enough. Right. The thing I mean, Buffalo's got a really nice schedule, like up into the Jets week seven. Um, I mean. And the only game, the only game on there that's sort of ugly is Tennessee. I mean, you don't ever want any of your guys playing Tennessee. But other than that, I mean, they get the Jets twice, the Dolphins. They get Vegas, um, a game with Kansas City. So who knows? You get a little monopoly money points there. So that's 
not not a bad way to start. Um, no, they're going to start really hot. They're going to start. Yeah. The, I think the Bills' offense in general is going to start hot, hot, and then in the back end of their schedule is terrifying. And you're on my guy though. Like you're an Allen guy. Um, for, for fantasy, I, I I think that this year just sets up perfectly. Obviously for fantasy. Oh, yo! If you haven't been on Josh Allen for fantasy, you've been doing it wrong for you know <laughs> a year and a half. Um, but I think that the, the season sets up so perfectly for the Bills to win like, you know, 10 to 12 games. Um, and Josh Allen with the addition of Stefan Diggs and the, the line coming back and the OC coming back and the HC coming back. Um, this year sets up so perfectly for Josh Allen that I, yeah. I think that this this could be like the best year of his career. And then, he, you know, and then in 2021, he has massive regression. OK, OK. So, I mean, I can't see any I mean. I can't see any team in the division except for the Bills making any run at the Patriots. Um, oh, really? You think – you know, well, well, I mean, the Jets, Jets are, offense, obviously. Right, yeah, right. right. So, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the AFC But, East, but you man. sort of said that, like, you thought that the Patriots are maybe a tier above the Bills? No? I, I'm not about to, like – I'm not downgrading the Patriots from last year personally. Okay. I'm just I – mean, I, 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 I like that tape. I like that I'm, tape because everyone more, else is – I'm more concerned about them losing Skarnakia than Brady. Let's put it that yeah. way. <laughs> I'm sort of kidding, but I'm sort of serious. I mean, look, Brady's amazing. He's, you know, he's one of those Hall of Famers that deserves his, like, own wing in the building. But the dude's old, man. I mean, mm-hmm. and if, like, it, I've been saying on my show up in New England for a couple of years, it's like, if you don't see the physical decline, I don't know what to tell you. It's not, a, it's not an indictment of the man. He's just, a, it's the age he's at. I mean, and you can really, the, the place you can see it with Brady is when he needs to, when he needs to go off script on a play, he really can't do it anymore. Um, unless he can step up in the pocket. If he can step up, he's okay. But, you know, anytime he's off the menu, it gets bad. Um, and a couple times, he really almost got blown up last year. So, and, and the one thing I don't hear enough people talking, to, I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent just for a second. But the one thing I don't hear people talking about enough is, you know, Bruce Arians doesn't protect his quarterbacks the way that New England has over the last 10 years. Brady's going to be seeing free runners more than he's seen, unless Arians decides this is to why, This is why, and let's, get, let's skip ahead and just knock out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers backfield. Okay. Because this is why whoever pass blocks the best and earns the trust of Tom Brady is going to be the answer there. Or the is gonna gonna win the the you know the the Bucks running back lottery, which might not be much of a lottery at all at the end of the day. But yeah. Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, and Dari Ogunbowale. Dari Ogunbowale, I think, is at least mildly interesting because he can pass block. And then Ronald Jones, I mean, I you know I think he's I think he he was better last year than than given credit for, especially down the stretch, but. Is that the kind? Is that the dude that Tom Brady's going to trust? I don't it, know. Okay, now, Ronald Jones, man. You're, you're now. You've got. You're right where I'm at with this, which is I think Jones is the back there, but he's not Me Tom too. Brady back. You know, he's definitely. Yeah. But then again, there is some history for Brady to have a pounder in the backfield, right? There, there have been some guys like that, so maybe he could be that kind of guy I think he's um, the best straight you know mo- or at least the most talented just straight up runner of the group like oh, yeah by far maybe oh I agree I agree yeah. I, and correct me if I'm wrong didn't um didn't Vaughn go in the COVID today yeah so he's yeah. a rookie and, who's and, and that doesn't camp, that doesn't necessarily mean that he has COVID it's just that he right. was like at risk 
Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, but that's 14 days, right? Isn't it 14? Um, I, I don't know. I, I gotta, I gotta learn more about this. Stuff. I don't, Evan, I don't it's know wild. I mean, knows. all this stuff is new, you know, all this stuff is new. So we've got to learn about it. It's new and it's evolving and changing. That's the thing. Well, and this is something I was going to say to you when you and I were talking last night, it's like, I, I want to prepare for everything right now, but I'm still waiting for the NFL to establish, you know, protocols and criteria that are going to help me decide how I want to approach this season. Cause it's so much of it is going to be about how we react to holes in our lineup, you know, cause you're just going to have these random holes. It's going to be mm. <laughs> like people who really understand how to use fab people who understand how to work the waiver wire are going to have a huge advantage this year. And people who are people who aren't lazy owners, like the active owners this year are going to be the people who win. Um, which is, yeah. it's usually the case, but um, all right, let's jump, let's jump back to Carolina. Cause I know we're going to spend a ton of time on this mm-hmm. backfield. Um, oh, right. Yeah. McCaffrey. And I mean, I would get Mike Davis if I was a handcuffer. Uh, yeah, say. that is the, we were, uh, uh, Adam and I were, uh, did this draft last night again. And um, that was the conversation that we were having when we were debating, I think it was like the 19th round or 18th mm-hmm. or something. You know, we were looking at, we, we were looking at hey, you know, let's throw a dart at the, back up in Carolina we had 10 bench spots and you know we start 10 it's a it's right. you know it's there's no trades in FFPC right which I think is a good thing and then uh there is um you know 10 bench spots and 10 starting liner 10 starting lineup spots and I was like I you know I get it with with Bonifon I get it theoretically but I think that Mike Davis might be the backup there you know yeah. and I did look in this. I was in the same format when I was telling, I told you I took Ingram and with my last two picks, I mean, I probably could have done something better, but I took Gus Edwards and justice Hill figuring, you know what? I want to get the one of these guys that whoever's third, I want to have that guy. And then the other guy's going to be a cut for me early in free agency. Mm -hmm. But um, this is a year where I, I I mean, I'm generally not a big handcuffer, but I'm opening my mind a little bit to it this year. Um, Just because (laughs) I don't think you necessarily even need to handcuff. It gives you more upside if you don't handcuff your starters and you just get other handcuffs. And then, you know, you can build a team where, you know, you get five guys getting 17 plus touches a game. You know, that, that really gives you the most upside to put, to, to put guys that you, number one, that you believe in um, as players uh, on your bench, like Tony Pollard would be a great example. Right. Guys that are in good situation, you know that they would pop if something happened to Ezekiel Elliott, like Tony Pollard. Come on now, you know? Boston like, Scott. How about my guy Boston? Uh, Boston Scott is is also interesting. Um, you know Chase Edmonds, who we discussed before, Alexander Madison. Although there there's some credence, I think, to the fact there might be a committee there with uh, Abdullah and um, right Mike Boone, but Duke uh, Johnson. Duke, oh, Duke Johnson, absolutely. Who I know yeah. everybody gets frustrated by him every single year. I'm, I'm still. Taking I love him. him. I love. I'm him. still taking him. So, <laughs> I don't care. It's in the. It's the fucking tenth round. Who gives a shit? It's damn Bill O'Brien. Anyway, all right. So we're clear here. Let's go. Let's go to Chicago now. I know you're a little. You're a little down on Tariq Cohen. Montgomery clearly is the guy there for the volume. Um, what happens if Montgomery gets the COVID? Is like Ryan Dahl going to get some uh, oxygen in that scenario? What do we? What are you thinking? I mean, I think the better conversation to have is just what is your outlook on David Montgomery? I think he's going to get volume, and if I had to, if 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 I got pegged into him as my RB two, I wouldn't mind. Neither would I. I mean, I'm not like trying to make it happen. 
<laughs> but like, I'll tell you what, when I remember I was telling you, I took Ingram in the fifth, just because I happen to be a big yeah. believer in Evan Ingram and it's a tight end premium format. Mm-hmm. And I went for it, but Montgomery was on the board and I'm like, I, I mean, I literally flipped a coin. I wasn't sure what to do. Um, and I still, I'm not sure I did the right thing, but that's sort of where I have him. If I need an RB2 solution at that part of the draft, I'm very mm-hmm. okay going Montgomery. I'm okay with it too. I mean, he, he's not a sexy pick, but they have, they have a, a, an easier schedule this year. Yes. Um, they, they made their quarterback position actually could be upgraded considerably if Nick Foles is just competent. Um, you know, you know, their defense is going to be good. So they're, right. you know, they're going to have some, some positive or, you know, they're, they're going to have positive fuel position. Yep. I think. Um, and I mean, you're dead. David on Montgomery, the schedule, I, the schedule he, is like good. It's really good. Um, yeah. I remember watching him in college at, at Iowa state and I really, really liked him. But then the, the more that I watched him, the more that I would notice that this dude gets caught from behind anytime that he gets past the second level. I mean, yeah. literally every single time Hayden Winks had some stat, like he, he had like one touchdown in his career uh, outside the 20 yard line or something like that. I mean, right. that doesn't even surprise you when you watch the, when you watch the tape on David Montgomery, because right. the dude does not have breakaway ability like whatsoever. And that was in the freaking big 12, which people say is slow, you know, now he's in the freaking NFL. Right. So well, he, it's interesting with him because he will make a guy miss, but then he won't do anything with it. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> because he'll make the first guy miss and gain two yards. It's, right. Like he can, yeah. he can negotiate traffic, but th- there isn't a lot of burst. Um, but the other side of him is that he's a processor. He processes the game. Well, he understands what he's supposed to be doing out there. He understands where he is on the gridiron. He's got a good feel for his body positioning and stuff like that. So, you know, he is a guy, I think maybe particularly if Foles is the quarterback, we could see him making a lot more plays in the past game. Like that really would not surprise me. And and that could be some hidden value for him. I, I don't know if everybody has given him enough. I don't know if he's getting a totally fair shake in terms of what he could do mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in a PPR format. But, you know, um, and, you know, Cohen's a guy I like in deep leagues in certain situations. But, you know, tw- 12 team typical. No, not so much. Um Let's let's jump down to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's sort of an interesting, uh, well, sort of an interesting team. It's interesting in that what's going to happen to Geo? Like, is he there? Is he going to be there? I guess he is at this point. Yeah, I think that you know the the situation actually has really helped a guy like him, who very much might have been on the hot seat. Had you know, had there been four preseason games, had there been June minicamp OTAs, Travion Travion Williams might have overtaken him. Um, you know that that wouldn't have surprised. That or shouldn't have surprised anyone. When you say overtake, you, you mean like beat him out, or just yeah. like, hey, th- this guy's good enough, and why pay Geo? I just, I don't. Geo didn't look like a guy with a whole lot of gas left in the tank uh, last year, but you know, I, I think he's real, real secure right now. Right, right. Well, and yeah, I mean, with the COVID dynamic, having right. extra and having an, an extra guy who you know is decent, having uh, a dude that sense. has made a bunch of starts in the league and you know right. knows where he's got to be, you know knows the offense. It's yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge help to Giovanni Bernard. But to your point, there's four backs in that backfield that can play. I mean, we didn't talk about Rodney Anderson, but if Rodney Anderson's a hundred percent, if everything's working on the man, he can play. I mean, that dude can really play, and and he's a I, I, very underrated in passing situations, in my opinion. Um, well, I think the, the the main discussion to have though is still uh, Mixon 
Yeah. You know, what, what, what can this guy do? Because this guy has overcome, like, you couldn't draw up a worse offensive environment than what Joe Mixon existed in the last two years. Yeah. Uh, and he scored 17 touchdowns and he um, uh, gained almost 30, uh, almost 3000 yards from scrimmage with odd usage. Yes. Yes. Yep. And, 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 and you know what, this coach, I think there's a chance that they unleash him a little bit this year. Yeah. I, I think that there's, I think there's a chance that, that, that Zach Taylor could end up being right. a decent coach right. and that, you know, Joe Murrow, Joe Burrow, again, the lack of practice time does concern me, but that this offense can take, you know, a next step into being like middle of the pack this year. A, a, another problem is their schedule. I mean, they play in just a brutal division of defenses. Right. Right. Um, so the optimism, I think, you know, needs to be checked a little bit, but Hey, Joe Mixon has done this. He's, he's been a producer in just the worst offensive environment that you could that you can dream up and now i think that he's got a chance you know to play in, in an offensive environment that is you know not nearly as bad and jonah williams is coming back and i think that helps in their off their offensive line probably still isn't going to be very good but you know it maybe they could be 25th and that would be a big step up from 32nd and 31st no I, 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 that's actually a meaning like you're joking around but that you're right that's yeah. a meaningful thing and because they were legit bad last year like legit bad so if you could just be a little bit below average instead of legit bad that that's meaningful for the running back um oh and, let me ask you this who do you yeah, think is a better one for one talent because i like to get your talent takes on, on rbs okay. particularly who do you think is a better one for one talent Joe Mixon or Dalvin Cook? Ooh. <laughs> That's really freaking hard. Um, they were both, what, early second rounders in the same draft, right? I, I'm going to say Dalvin just because okay. I think Dalvin's a better football player. Okay. But, if you, but if you want to just go with, like, talent oozing from yeah. your pores, I think you can right. make a strong argument for Mixon. Yeah. Um, but, it's an but, interesting one, I think. The thing about Dalvin is he runs like his ass is on fire and he processes the play really freaking well. And he makes decisions so quickly. Like there's no, you don't see Dalvin, you don't see Dalvin losing plays because he hesitated. Like he'll overrun a play occasionally, but I'd much rather see that than a guy where the clay is constantly catching up to him. And mm -hmm. I, I see that sometimes with Nixon. Um, but anyway, let's let's dump down because the next team is more interesting. But I, just for what it's worth, I'm with you on Mixon. I think the floor is what we got last year, and I think the coach is smart. And you know, this year they're gonna. I mean, last year they were just beaten up. Like you said, the line is terrible. The quarterback plays all over the place. Different guys. They had injuries in the at the receiver position. Now they've got too many healthy receivers. They're gonna have like a guy like Ross maybe as their fourth receiver. I'm thinking he, they might run four receiver sets. I mean, sure, they have yeah. nothing at tight end, right? They got nothing at tight nothing, end. Nothing. And they got John Ross, T. Higgins, AJ Green, and Tyler Boyd. Um, exactly. You know, let's get creative, fellas. You know, let's. Let's do something a little different. Let's watch some uh, Arizona Cardinals tape. Is he one of those guys who's going to do that? He's going to be like, no, we're going to put our best guys on the field. I don't care. We're going to line up yeah. this way. Because yeah, That'd be nice. I, I, I think that would be great. Um, and, and Zach Taylor does come from that Big 12. I mean, he yeah, he played in the Big 12 at Nebraska. And then he, I believe he coached at what, A&M. Is that correct? Sure. I mean, I, yeah. I, 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 I know. But I mean, he came from... He came from McVeigh, right? So, is that, that right? Too. Yeah. So I mean, yes. I, and he was I there thought, one year. 
and and the thing I'm, I'm going like, to look up where he, where he, where he coached in college. I know he, because I, I went to college with his wife, uh, Sarah Sherman, who is the daughter of Mike Sherman. You remember him? Yeah. Um, I, I know he coached under. Yeah. Okay. He was a graduate assistant at A&M 2008 through 2011. So, I mean, you know, he's familiar with the Mike Leach stuff. And I thought he looked, I thought given what happened to him last year, I thought in terms of just like keeping that team reasonably together, I thought he did all right. So I got, I got I'm not down on his first year. I thought it was more circumstance. Um, so I have an open mind and, you know, if you're the Bengals last year, is there a reason to like give Mixon like, you know, some huge amount of touches? Like I, I could see why they might've been like, yeah, why are we going to use this guy up this year? Like we're better off losing games and winning games. And this guy's a future chip. So I, 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 I can think of some smart reasons why they wouldn't overburden him with touches last year. Whereas this year you've got the number one overall guy. You want to make a statement. It's his second year there. Like, I don't see any reason why they'd hold back with him this year. You know what I mean? I don't know if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yep. Anyway, let's let's dump down to Cleveland. Cleveland is an interesting backfield. Um, the magic question with this backfield, and it's like it's sort of like that red herring that like us fantasy guys like when we start like trying to make deals with like God and stuff with our players. You know, well maybe they'll put them on the field together. It's like always that mm-hmm. bullshit dream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but on this team. Yeah. I don't know if it is a bullshit tree. Like there it may might not actually be, be. Yeah. I mean, he, he could kind of, Kareem Hunt could sort of double as the third receiver. I mean, right now, if the season starts today, I think their third yep. receiver will be Rashard Higgins. Right. Uh, Njoku should be the guy, but he's like, you know, he requested a trade. Right. Um, Kareem Hunt, after he came back last year, he averaged 10 touches a game. I think 5.5 targets per game. Right. Like, and then if something happens to Nick Chubb, which did happen to him in college, uh, then Kareem Hunt, you know, Kareem Hunt is going to win league. So okay, the the league I was telling you about before, Nelson took Hunt first pick of the fifth round. Just yeah, just, I, I've just seen to him go little, fourth round. Yeah. I've seen him go fourth round in some FFPC drafts. Yeah. The night before, I had Barrett on this show. We were drinking Elijah Craig, having a good time, and I'm trying to get him to buy in to freaking Kareem Hunt in the six, and he's like, Nah, I'm not buying it. I'm wow. like, Come on, man, come on. And he's like, Nah, nah, nah. And then Nelson fifth. I mean, I think he took him at 49 or whatever. Anyway, so, but here's what I'm getting at. And you, you probably know this, but let me just give you some numbers here because I pulled this up. And I'm working backwards now from week 17, okay? Mm-hmm. These are snap percentages per game, Chubb mm-hmm. and Hunt, okay? Week 17, Hunt 67% of the snaps, but Chubb 57. You're well over 100%, right? So these guys are on the field together, just right. mathematics. No week question. before... Week before, Chubb was at 65, but Hunt was at 57. So that's two weeks in a row. Week before that, Hunt's at 61, Chubb's at 50. Week before that, Chubb's at 70, Hunt's at 63. There wasn't a game after Hunt was activated where the two of them added up to less than 100%. So, I mean, these guys were on the field together a significant amount of time last year. Now, Different coaching Different. staff. Yes, that's the, that. But uh, this and this, the, I think, is like uh, at least notable that there is no question that the Browns could have kept Kareem Hunt with a third, uh, his original pick restricted free agent tender, uh, which would have it would have, would have required a team to come in, give the Browns a third round pick, and sign Kareem Hunt to you know a contract that the Browns were unwilling to match, but they gave him a second round tender. 
Um, and you know, they, they were like, screw it. It's, you know, it's two, two million bucks more. And, and then you look at what they did with the rest of their off season. Biggest draft expenditure was an offensive tackle, Jed, Jedrick Wills. Uh, biggest free agent expenditure was Jack, you know, butt kicking Conklin who helped, right. helped clear holes for Derrick Henry to become the NFL rushing leader. They traded for Andy Janovich, one of the best lead blocking fullbacks in the league. Um, you know, they drafted another tight end in the, the fourth round. And they want to keep David Njoku. I mean, they exercised his fifth-year option. They want to keep him. Right. But then they went and drafted Harrison Bryant. So that gives them flexibility to run a lot of 12, maybe even some 13. Again, they got the fullback. They don't really have the third receiver. Um, you know, it speaks to their, their – and look, I'm not going to be taking Kareem Hunt in the fourth round. But, like – you know, he's going to be a big, big factor in, in the offense. And after he was uh, activated from suspension last year, Nick Chubb's targets per game went from four to two. Right. right. And I, I haven't been getting any Nick Chubb. Unfortunately, I freaking loved Nick Chubb. I took him in uh, Scott Fishbowl. I think that's the only time that I've gotten him this entire offseason. And I've done, I don't know, a lot of drafts. And, um, you know, he's – and I, I never get him because – because uh, I don't think he's going to catch many passes. Right. No doubt that the the reception totals are going to be a problem. Having said that, I'm with you. I like the changes they've made personnel-wise. I mean, they had no choice with the offensive line. They had to do something, but they did. Um, now, I was on um, the Wolf of Roto Street pod you were on it too a couple great weeks dude, ago great I think. Dude. yeah, yeah, yeah. love talking great. ball with that dude even we, nick, we disagreed on some stuff but it was it was like really good conversations you know nick's great he's the only guy who's ever wrote at rotobahn other than me he used to write at rotobahn a long time oh ago. wow yeah nick's, <laughs> nick, nick's a great dude um but um i totally just broke my chain of thought what the hell was i talking about but you know the thing with hunt i mean i don't want to take him in the fourth round either but like you, you hit the nail on the head with Chubb's injury history, man. If Chubb – and I don't want Chubb to go down. I love him. Knock on wood. I'm not trying to whammy Chubb. But if he goes down, Hunt becomes a top five back. Yeah, man. Like top five. This is a great situation <laughs> for a running back. Um, right. So, like, if, if – if uh, I'm going to get you, off the show and, uh, and <laughs> raise Hunt in my rankings. I mean – well, it's like this is what I always want. I all like I want every single pick that I make in my fantasy draft to be optimally, obviously. And that some sometimes you can't do this, but to be a high floor, high upside pick. Exactly. And that's what Kareem Hunt is. Kareem yep. Hunt is uh, you know, I, I, I recently um bumped up Dallas Goddard because he's this, because he yep. does have a high floor, and then yo, if Earth goes down, right. It's over, and you can and you can get him at a reasonable price. You you and, and you I talked about it. a very it. reasonable price. The problem with Kareem Hunt is that he's not, not really at a reasonable price right now, but he does fit my criteria for what I like. Like I like Calvin Ridley is like that. She has a super high floor, and then yo, if Julio starts to disintegrate a little bit, and yo, he's thirty one, and he had uh, the lowest uh, uh, yards per re uh, reception or yards per target of his career last year. So if, if, you know, if he starts to fall off a little bit, then Calvin Ridley, you know, gets, he's got that high floor and that super high ceiling. Th those are the kind of guys that I want on my fantasy teams. And Kareem Hunt is that. Yeah, no, for sure. And you were talking about um, it last night. Like the, Derek Henry was one of my big pimps last year. And it was the same exact concept, which is 
I, I, I'm not saying he's going to pay off at this number. What I'm saying hey, is, hey, let's just skip to the, uh, the the Titans' backfield right here because I think this is a, <laughs> a low key, really interesting backfield that I don't even think that people are examining closely enough. Okay, we're going to do that. Just here's the one thing I want to say about Cleveland before we leave. Okay, like like to me, the key is is Stefanski going to be able to actually install a quality version of the Shanahan Kubiak style run game if he can actually put that scheme in and have it click then i think chubb's a monster but if it's the kind of like shanahan himself has had some trouble year one sometimes it doesn't click right away so that's sort of where i'm at with cleveland is is it going to click and if so when so for whatever it's worth that's sort of where i'm at with them but yeah let's let's jump down to uh tennessee yeah do you have more to say than derrick henry and darrington evans yeah yeah well okay. because i because oh here's the thing like we know that derrick henry is just a badass runner right yeah it's a badass runner but and <laughs> but <fun>. what <laughs> right i mean he's the best run, like pure runner in the league probably right uh i mean saquon is see saquon's too boomer bust though like like derrick henry is a churner and a big play machine you, you people talk about running backs being bowling balls but there were legitimate there were legitimately plays last year i think i want to go to the game against the ravens where he was literally a bowling ball for about a quarter and a half. He was just knocking guys down. Was, you just see like guys falling like dominoes. It was unbelievable. Um, so yeah. So I'm what what has been the missing element of his game? And you know, obviously it's receptions. Well, um, I don't know if it's missing from him. It's missing from the play calling. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Right. And you know, as we and we we had like a pre-show call, and you know, as you know, the first time that I ever really listened to or it consumed, you know, uh, uh, Pete's content seriously was when he went on uh roto underworld show uh oh, you know right. and Der when derrick henry was coming into the league in what 2016 or whatever that was oh that's right i remember yeah. that and, that was when um, kelly and i did the bad michael a good michael thing for like 20 minutes <laughs> yeah it was a great great show and you know uh rotobon made a ton of great points about uh derrick henry and that really ga almost gave me the push the, the 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 right amount of confirmation bias to be because I wanted to be super high on Derrick Henry and I just agreed with all of your points and one of your your greatest points is that he is a good receiving back he is a good receiving back and 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 the upside of getting the ball in his hands in right. space is just since it's a seventy five yard touchdown you, you know right. like I mean it's it's like it, it, there there is no good. one in the league that I would rather throw a freaking screen pass to right. than Derrick Henry right no one in the league. Right. You just beat me to it. I was going to say, I, I, it's not even whether he's a good receiving back or not. It's, do I want to get the ball in his freaking hands? Exactly. The, answer the upside is yes. on that kind of a play is just insane because defensive back, if you get him lined up, you know, going at a defensive back, the defensive back has to make a business decision. He's got a <laughs> yeah. family to worry about. He's got a paycheck to worry about. He might get, you know, ripped up in the film room the next day. But my goodness, that's not a good decision to go try to tackle Derrick Henry in the open field on a freaking screen pass. And um, I think with no Deion Lewis, I think they're going to, they're going to have to throw a little bit more just because that's, you know, how regression works. And then how much are they going to trust Darrington Evans to play right. at 200 and, you know, three pounds coming out of app state right. with eight padded practices. Right. And I really happen to like that kid, but I think you're hundred percent right. Um, oh, I like him too. I, I took him in, in dynasty recently. I don't know what to yeah. expect out of him. 
But um, there, there, there isn't, there isn't a good backup there for Derrick Henry right now. Here's a little quick, quick dynasty story. I traded Darrington Evans because um, I have um, freaking, um, I have Dalvin in this one league, and I have a good team, and Dalvin's really important. Um, I was able to get Madison straight up for Darrington, so I was pretty happy about that. Um, I would take that. I would take Madison for Darrington. Yeah. So um, to your point, last year, Derrick Henry. Um, I'm just looking for this 24 freaking targets, dear God, only 24 targets. Um, but hey, if we can get him to 48, oh my God. Yeah. But here's the thing. I mean, only 18 receptions, but two touchdowns, right? Like, I mean, I know that's a small sample and I know you can just cherry pick, but you know, he's the kind of guy, if you get him the ball in space, you can create a touchdown from like anywhere on the field. Yeah. So why would you not be rolling those dice more often? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, they I'm need trying to. to say and, and I, I think that their their personnel situation is going to compel them to, because I mean, you can't trust Darrington Evans. You know, as much as we like him as as a talent, right. you can't trust him after eight padded practices to have any kind of role in week one. Right. Um, and I think Derrick Henry could be a true every down back this year. And I, you know. I have him as high as I possibly can, and I still want to put him higher in right. the freaking rankings. Let me ask you that. Well, let's just from a workload standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Just from a standpoint of workload, how many backs are we more confident in than Derrick Henry? Just for touches. I mean, literally zero, I think. Okay. I was going to say maybe two, like maybe the two top two guys. Maybe, maybe McCaffrey and Saquon. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, you know, I would probably lean to Zeke. I know some people think Zeke's going to start getting less touches. I don't know. I'm not sure if I buy that. But um, that's like to me, that's the thing. It's like like at this point, Henry's weakness has become his strength, right? No one believed they would actually give him the ball. I, I can't come up with a mental scenario where they won't now. You know, it's right. it's the the script is flipped a little bit. Um, so let's move this thing down here. Let's dump. We did Cleveland. We're at Dallas now. Okay. Unless you have something on Pollard that's really juicy, Dallas is pretty clean to me. Number one in PFS elusive rating last year. Um, yeah. Oh, he's I mean, fun. I think he's an absolute <laughs> baller. I loved him coming out of Memphis. And yeah. that's why I was sort of bummed that they went receiver because I wanted to, I wanted to see maybe him get more life as a yeah. dual threat. And there's no way that's happening now. But the, you can't pass on C.D. Lamb at number 17. No, but, no yeah, way. I mean, I think it, this is a pretty easy – we don't even have to talk about it. Yeah, not with you. Let's jump down to Denver. Denver mm-hmm. also not terribly interesting. I mean, you don't go out and pay for Gordon unless you're going to use him. Lindsey right. is not strong in the passing game. I know some people don't think Gordon's a great receiver, but he knows what he's doing. He's in the right place. He faces up. He gives the quarterback a good target. It may not always be beautiful, but it's effective. Um, is there anything you think I'm missing? I mean, no, I see I Lindsay- mean, just just some basic, you know, Asterisk check. They're bringing back Mike Munchak, maybe the best offensive line coach in the league. They are uh, yeah. run by Vic Fangio, who I think is going to lean them more toward a you know uh, run first slash uh, balanced offense. I think that I think it's going to take a year. I, and I love the elements in this passing game, but I think it's going to take a year for that to hit, especially as they're they're transitioning uh, OC, they're transitioning quarterbacks coach, they're transitioning their number two and three receiver. Noah Fan is only in his second year. All right, I'm just going to give you one. I'm just doing this because I dug for this damn quote. <laughs> but when I was – I did an article. I sent it to you. I don't think you've read it yet. I'm sure you will. <laughs> but um, 
this is something I found and I like this from Fangio because I, it, I think he sort of gets where he is at in this division. I think he's accepted reality, which is good for us in this scenario. But here's what he said when asked about whether he wants to be more aggressive on offense. Yeah, that's what I like. Contrary to the stereotype that's always out there, you know, a defensive coach, you know, wants to ground and pound, considers a pitch to the halfback, you know, a pass. That's not me. I like to be aggressive. And he went on to talk about that he understands that the gauntlet is down, that Oakland is in an arms race, that the standard is like, if you can't score 30 points in this division, you're just not winning much. So I like to hear that from him just for what it's worth. All right. So do I. So do I. Yeah. So like, I, like in my mind, I'm like, is this guy a potential Zimmer? And I don't think he is. Like, I think. No, I don't think he's a Zimmer. I just right. think that, you know, at the end of the day, like teams are built in their head coaches likeness. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I whatever. No, I, 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 I think well, I, I don't think they're going to score many points this year. Is is going to end up being a problem? Really? No. Okay. Okay. We'll get, I I think they're going to score points. I really do. Now, I mean, enough. I don't know. And, well, you're and, higher on Drew Locke than me for sure. Okay. I, I don't know. If I'm I'm probably more high on the coordinator than I am on the quarterback. I think mm-hmm. Locke is a decent block of clay. I think he's underrated for his physical talents. Like, I don't think he's far off Jay Cutler from talent. Um, you know, does he make it? I don't know. The one thing about Locke, I think that some people don't – and, again, I don't want to start defending him too much because it's not like I'm the biggest Drew Locke fan. But, you know, Locke played at a big school in a tough conference, and he played three separate offenses while he was there. And then he got another new offense last year. So this is a guy who's managed transition pretty well. And now he's finally going to get a guy who really works towards his quarterback strengths. So I, I'm going to give him the fact that I'm totally with you on Munchak. I think they're going to have stability on the offensive line. They were able to run the ball pretty well last year. Uh, and they've got depth at the running back position. And I love Lindsay. I mean, I love Philip Lindsay. Um, unfortunately, he's just not real gifted catching the football. He's a little mm-hmm. mechanical with his hands. Which is weird. I, he caught a bunch of passes in college. No, I mean, he can catch it. It's just not yeah. – no, I know. It's just it's been frustrating you know? since I, I considered him to be a guy coming out of college that would be a good receiver in the NFL, but he really hasn't been. He's he's a little choppy. Yeah, that's that's the word I'm coming up with. He, I think um, he's sort of like like Tevin Coleman. He's like a straight line speedster. And right, but kinda, he doesn't have Coleman's hands. <laughs> Coleman's got some nice soft hands. Oh, oh, really? Okay, yeah. I don't know. Did you see? I, I think that, go back to in Atlanta when Shanahan was slotting Coleman, remember that? Mm. You have to go back a little bit, but when he was slotting Coleman, Coleman made some, I mean, granted. He's also Matt Ryan not been the, the guy who ever there. caught a bunch of passes, Tevin. I don't know. That's true. No, that's true. You're right. Um, yeah. All right, let's, we're, I know let's, you don't let's, have. Let's do one more and I'm going to take a little break. Okay. Sounds good. Hang on. All right. Cause I got to, I got to refill my, my yeah. uh, bullet here. Yeah. Hey. All right. Let's jump down to Detroit. Cause this is actually a pretty good one. I'm very much on Swift here. Like, if I was going to draft one of these guys, I would want to draft Swift. But I know the ADP gap is probably big enough where you can make an argument for carry-on. I, I love DeAndre Swift. I'm a big Swift fan. Me too. And, I, and obviously, he's got the, the pass-catching chops. So, long-term, I'm definitely on Swift. Are you in any way thinking about a carry-on pivot based on ADP or anything like that? Yeah, I'm looking up their ADPs just to be yeah. sure. And by the way, this. I don't want to dog Carryon Johnson. I like Carryon Johnson. Quite I like see, I see. I like Carryon Johnson because 
everyone's or a lot of people are sort of treating this as a normal year. Carry on Johnson is number one. He's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, he plays, I think in a very underrated offense. If you look at, I mean, they were lions were on pace to score. Uh, they were lions were on pace to finish eighth in the uh, NFL in scoring and top four in uh, total yards last year before Stafford went down. Right. Um, and Hawkinson. Everyone, you know, everyone's drafting the heck out of their receivers uh Hawkinson can could blow up um I, I think that carry on Johnson is going to come out of the gates getting getting 12 to 15 touches per game and um mostly carries no I, no I, he catch the ball oh no no he can but I'm just yeah. thinking mostly mostly early down work is what I'm saying uh, I I, not, I, I think it's going to be may, maybe an even split that leans toward carry on Johnson because DeAndre Swift had just not proved his medal yet, you know, f- from the team concept because of no because of what COVID games. has done to practice time and, yep. and you know, all that. All right, so let's – we're looking right. at – I'm looking at uh, – they're pulling up their ADP on FFPC main event. There's a massive gap. DeAndre Swift is RB26. Kerryon Johnson is RB43. That's a massive gap. Yeah, I would probably rather buy Kerryon Johnson at those prices. RB forty three. I think you're right. Just, just and now, if if it wasn't a COVID year, and oh no. oh no, then I would probably be on Swift. But I think you're right. I think because Carryon's a good fundamental football player, which, and and he's been there a year. It's the same system. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, you want to refresh that cocktail? Yeah, give, give me a second. It, Thanks. Go for it. Okay, quick intermission. We'll be back in sixty seconds. strong whiskey bro <laughs> this is my so face weird. is starting to warm up you know no i mean like this is like like my throat a nice little burn when you put this back good <laughs> in a good way okay evan's drink is refreshed we are back my drink is also refreshed this bourbon is like fire <laughs> this stuff my, is, my face is hot right this stuff is potent man wow and it's good too um so let's go to green bay which is definitely one of those like beauties in the eye of the beholder backfields like every stat head and their mother is you know tuned into Aaron Jones touchdown regression obviously um and you know I'm sure he's gonna have touchdown well not sure but I I would imagine he is gonna have that regression but that doesn't do anything to change the fact that Aaron Jones is like legit good right um so I love Aaron Jones I've got him as my RB10 I don't know where you have him Having said all that, I do have some A.J. Dillon concerns because that guy's an animal. Like, I think he's – like, he didn't get enough love for being an absolute beast. Um, he may not be the next Derrick Henry, 
But, man, A.J. Dillon, he, he is a grown-ass man. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He can really run the football, too. I don't think he gets enough credit for his ability to put a foot in the ground and really you know, change direction. And he, he's, he's a decisive runner. I think it works for him. I think, I think he's better than the general consensus was going into the draft. Okay. Where are you, where are you at? And, and obviously, we, I didn't mention Jamal Williams. Um, the coaching staff loves this guy. So, A, where do you value Jones? B, who do you think the second back to own is? And C, could this turn into a three-man ugly fest? Well, I think that, um, you know, in situations like this in Tampa Bay, the backfield of which we already discussed, and, and even in Pittsburgh, which, you know, we, we have to get to, yeah. um, you're talking about a veteran quarterback that is going to be calling most of the on-field shots. And again, eight padded practices with AJ Dillon is not going to be enough for, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is the type of quarterback that if LaFleur sends out AJ Dillon for a certain package, you'd be like, get, get his ass back on the, <laughs> on the fucking bench, you know, like give me Jamal or give me, I mean, give me our best running back, Aaron. You know, I was I just mean, about to say, no, no, but this is a good point you're making because this is a team that showed us that they really value glue guys and consistency, right? Yeah, like, Alan Lazard. And, and, and Jamal Williams playing, you know, a lot of snaps where we wanted Aaron Jones on the field. So, so they value guys like that. So I think you're right. If Dylan, you know, they drafted Dylan for a career, they're not just going to push him into the game when they've got a difference maker in Jones and a guy they trust in Williams and a veteran quarterback who doesn't want <laughs> any fuck wants in the huddle. So yeah, right. I mean, I, 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 so I, I, I really think that's something that we need to emphasize. We could talk about talent all the time. We could talk about, you know, statistical projections, but veteran quarterbacks, like the trust factor is enormous. Uh, and we could get to that, you know, with uh, in, in Indy too, with Phillip Rivers. Um, yeah. You know, these older quarterbacks, they – they're not going to, they're not going to stand there and be like, yo, I don't know if this guy can do anything. I don't know if he's going to be in the right spot. They're going to be like, give me the guy that I've been playing with for the last three years, you know, and that's Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. I'm willing to draft Jamal Williams like 16th round. I'll take Aaron Jones mid to late second. Um, you know, uh, and, I, the, and the, the touchdown regression risk is still very much there. Even if, even if AJ Dillon isn't a factor at all in year one, I think that there's a real chance that A.J. Dillon isn't a factor at all in year one. Right. And and the thing is, yes, the regression is totally real. But by the same token, if you're getting in mid-second, the regression's baked into that price, right? I mean, if he's going to score 19 touchdowns, he's got to go in the first half of the first round, right? So, like, if we're getting him in the second and there is no regression, that's like right. a league-winning pick. I, You know, he was going in the late first uh, or at the one-two wrap um, when, you know, drafting began. Right. But he has his Aaron Jones ADP has fallen since obviously since the AJ Dillon pick. And I've started, I, I fully anticipated just fading him, but um, I, I like taking him uh, when he's, when he goes mid to late second, for sure. Yeah, I, I'm with I, I mean, he, yep. I, I think he's a really good player. He's in a good, he's in a, you know, definitely an above average situation. He's a really good receiving back. I mean, he made some great downfield catches last year, and you know, that really stand out. First defender after the catch. He, I mean, he just slays first defender yeah, after the catch. Yeah, he can, he and, can, he can slay. And, and in the coach's defense, I mean, look, I had some Aaron Jones shares last year. I didn't want him leaving the game either. But the, the few times I saw him struggle last year was when you could tell he was gassed. 
there were several times where they tried to get him the yeah. ball down near the goal line. It's like, dude, he's gassed. <laughs> you know? he, and he's he had some like conditioning issues like yeah. sprinkled yeah. in. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm just saying like, I, it's fashionable to rip on green Bay for him not playing mm-hmm. as much, but maybe they know some things we don't, you know, sometimes you've got to give the coach a little benefit of the doubt. Um, now, ironically, the next coach we're going to talk about is Bill O'Brien, <laughs> who, who gets no benefit of any doubt. Um, but here's an interesting backfield, because these are two of my favorite running backs that I've scouted really over the last decade. I'm a huge fan of David Johnson coming out of UNI, um, and I was a big fan of Duke. Duke's my fashionable anti-fragility guy. But I have to say, Evan, slowly over the last couple of weeks, I'm sort of warming up to the idea of taking David Johnson because he's not moving up that much, you know? The, and I see your face. You're wincing a little bit. So you're probably thinking what I'm thinking, which is the last time I saw this guy play with the, uh, you know, the proverbial piano on his back when he oh, was yeah. running, and then it's a back injury, and we're not going to have preseason. He actually games. looked good early in the season. Yeah. No, he did. Yeah. Because but, man, they when used, he came back, he looked washed. As, you know. He looked terrible. Now, look, he's too young for him actually to be washed, right? There was an injury. I don't know. He came out kind of late. Or he came well, out – he was true. old when he came out. That's true. I, I think it was a back injury. But the thing is – But like, the thing is that back injuries recur. It, I mean, Ross Tucker, you know, I did a podcast with him for like yep. six years. Yep. And, you know, he, he, he drills the back injury thing. You know, he's like, I was, dude, that's a, it's exactly bet against the dudes with the back injuries. And, you know, nine times out of ten, he's right. And that's why I've been taking Duke in the 11th or 12th round whenever he's there. But the other side of the coin is and, – and he's sort of like Gurley last year. It's like we're not going to get a look at him. Like last year, if right. Gurley was going to play week three preseason, right. we could see him. But we're going to have to do this sight unseen. And it's the same thing with David Johnson. We're going to have to just go no, well. David Johnson is going to be 29 in December. Yeah. Yeah, because he came out at, what, 24, 25 years yeah. old. Um, so, yeah. No, I mean, he's not mega high volume, but he's – and his injury, what? One of the, ma- the major injury was a wrist. Um, so that's not a huge deal. But, look, he needs to be a materially different athlete from the time from, – from the last time we saw him. Yeah. So, yeah, he's – the thing also, about – Also, uh, Deshaun first, Watson doesn't check down. And so – if. If David Johnson is relegated to interior running, which is by far the biggest weakness of his game, I remember th- didn't not liking him coming out of northern uh, Northern Iowa, right? A lot of people didn't like the interior running. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he went the third round, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I I did not like his interior running at all, and I don't think he's gotten. I mean. He, 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 he's not a good interior runner. I'll, I'll just say that. He's not a good interior runner, but that he does not have, define a running back in right. today's game. What defines a running back largely is, you know, look at the best, I mean, with the exception of Derrick Henry, who's just an absolute freakazoid. Uh, but, you know, it's Christian McCaffrey. It's Saquon Barkley. It's, you know, the versatility of Zeke Elliott. It's Alvin Kamara. It's, you know, Dalvin Cook. Versatility is so, so critical. If you're going to be pulling the versatility element out of David Johnson's game, and really just using him in the Carlos Hyde role, that's a disaster waiting to happen. That's As a I disaster. like to say, it's it's like putting a snowplow on a Maserati. You just don't do yep. that. Um, and, you know, just to to what you were saying about his skill set, here's, here's a comp for David Johnson. I, I don't think everybody's – I don't know if anyone's ever made this one, but a healthy David Johnson's a better version of Damian Williams. 
is that kind of guy where he's an explosive guy. He's a great receiver, but he's yep. not an instinctive inside runner. If you give him the hole, he'll hammer it and he'll make a big play, but mm-hmm. he's not going to, he's not, he doesn't have that nuance where he's going to wait that 10th of a second for it to open up for him. He's going to push it sometimes. He doesn't have great vision. So he doesn't I'm finish a lot of runs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, and he, he'll stack on himself sometimes, but if he's healthy, he's going to be great. But how are we supposed to buy into that? I, I, I mean, I need to see it to believe it. So, yeah, this is a tough one. Where, where do you have his ADP at? Because I haven't pulled – I don't have ADP. Uh, David Johnson, ADP is – and this is uh, FFPC main event. So, this is people right. with that are playing, you know, $2,000 buy-ins. Right. Um, um, David Johnson is RB20. RB20, okay. RB20, yeah. number 42 overall. 42, so that's, okay, there you go. Is that third round? No, that's that's fourth round. Yeah, fourth, fourth round, round pick. Fourth round. Mid, middle fourth round. Yeah, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't do it there. I cannot do it there. No, neither can I. No, I'm with you. You're, yeah, no, I'm with you. Okay, let's let's step down. I'm, so, yeah, I'm basically where I've been all, all offseason, which is I'm buying Duke Jones. Now, Colts. Now, the word interesting is overused in fantasy football analysis. Having said that, this is an interesting backfield. Because I like all three of these guys. I, mm. I mean, how can you not? Now, you, you already hit the nail here with Rivers. They're bringing in Rivers. So you want to pump up Hines a little bit with the Rivers skill set. Nobody sets up running backs better than Rivers in the passing game. But he's going to get on the field. They've got two big, strong, talented backs who need to get fed. This is a tough backfield to, to, to price. It really is, and it is set up so beautifully. So let's talk about the environment in which the Colts' running game is going to exist this year. They have a top three offensive line, and they're returning all five starters with, like, their best two backup offensive linemen, too. So if one of the dudes gets COVID, they can just stick in, you know, a a starting-level backup into his spot. Um they have, according to opponent uh, win totals, the, the easiest schedule in the league. Uh, yeah, the easiest schedule in the league, according to opposing uh, win totals. And um, that, that sets them. And, you know, they want to they play bully ball. They want to play bully ball. They wanted to do that last year. Um, you know, just Brissett wasn't good enough. Their defense wasn't right. good enough. But now they have DeForest Buckner. They are returning their, uh, their excellent D.C. and Matt Eberflus. Um, I think, you know, they're going to be better defensively. And uh, can I just jump in for a second? Yes. Yes. Like, like, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, this is a team where you really feel bad for them about the COVID. Like, this is a team that could do something this year. You know, like, I feel bad for the Colts. Like, they set it up. Like, is Rivers. uh, And it's, I mean, it's sort of like Tampa. I I like their team. I like their team. I think they're a 10 and 6 team. And I like Reich a lot. I really do. Oh, I love Reich. Love Reich. Yeah, sorry, so, keep going, man. I cut you off. Yeah, no, they're – and they've got a lot of speed uh, at the skill positions. Oh, my God. Really, yeah, you know, Paris with, Campbell, with the, my God. With the exception of Jack Doyle. But, um, you know, Paris Campbell and T.Y. Hilton and, um, you know, Pittman. Pittman's got a chance to be a stud. I think they've got an excellent fourth receiver in Zach Pascal, who really Absolutely. really surprised, I think, in his opportunities last year. I mean, Duke can play. Tough kid. Um, 
they've got an excellent roster. They, they really do. And I know that people argue about, you know, could R- Rivers be done? You know, Rivers has never played, uh, you know, for a really like a, a great coach team like this with an excellent offensive line. When was the last time that Philip Rivers had a good offensive line? He's been making offensive lines look competent that were just awful for like a well, they decade. Have, they have decent offensive lines in August. They just never make it out of like September True. with them intact. It's unbelievable. True. Um, so, um, so I, you know, Jonathan Taylor just always goes way earlier than I'm willing to yeah. take him. And I, same here. He's gonna, love he's gonna be a highlight reel machine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he's going to catch many passes. I don't know if his fumbling could remain an issue. Because yeah, I mean, how, how do you coach something out of someone with when you can't even coach? There's no no, no that's that's a real no thing. Coaching. No, it's a, I mean, look, Miles Sanders. I was worried about him last year. I mean, sometimes yeah. these guys don't stop. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and 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 he did stop, but but he had you know four preseason games and OTA and all the you know all the stuff. So. Yeah. Uh, and so I like buying Marlon Mack uh, as like, I, I think he's way underdrafted. The Colts have actually come out and said that it's going to be a, a one, two punch right. uh, in the backfield between those guys. And then they're going to mix in uh, Naheem Hines and passing just situations. Go, I mean, just go roll the tape when Mack was healthy last year. Right. He, he, you know, he reminded me of Willis McGahee. Yeah. Kind of like he had some crazy leg runs, you know, and yeah. um, he could get himself out of some jams and, uh, it's I mean, almost he like 10, he was top ten in rushing yards per game last year. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like they—it's almost like they didn't so much target Taylor. It was like they just weren't going to turn him down at price. You know what I mean? They—they they, they did trade up for him, right? So. But no, but I mean, where he was. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, what what what, yeah. what was the number he went at? What did he go at about? Like, like 30? forty-two, maybe. Yeah. They so, were I mean, probably I, surprised that he made it past forty, and they were like, "Yo, let's just go get him." Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, I thought that guy would go more like in the 20s. So, that's a pretty nice value. Um, let's let me ask you this. So, you 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 we you and I basically agree on this backfield. Is it possible that Naeem Hines just bums everybody out and comes in here and catches like 60 passes and sort of I don't just think wreck? So. I don't, okay. See, I don't think Naeem Hines is very good. Okay. I mean, I like him, but I, but that's okay. Yeah, I mean, he is a little rattly with the hands. Like yeah, a, I don't. I don't think he has very good hands, and he's like a pass catching back. So yeah, I, no, no, no. You're right. I mean, he's he's lightning once he's. I mean, the oh, he's, can he's fly. a track. He's a track athlete, and for a small back, he's tough as hell. Um, but I'm with you. Let, let's jump down to Jacksonville because Jacksonville is actually sort of a painful backfield. Because I can't. I, I don't know about you. I can't lean in on Uncle Lenny. I can't do it. I know there's some. I know there's some analytical arguments to be made for him. Not good ones. No, yeah, not, I can't. I'm not doing it. So, if I'm getting in personally, if I'm getting into Jacksonville, it's for one of the other guys. And I don't know how much I can get into those guys either. Right. I mean, I like Ozigbo. I've Armstead's taken like uh, Ryquell Armstead in the 18th round a couple times. Right. Right. So, okay. So you're basically. I, I'm not focusing on this backfield. No. I mean, okay. you, you, you want a running back on the worst team in the league that, that's like literally tanking. Um, I don't know how, how, how is Leonard Fournette still on the roster, by the way, they, they tried, they, they would have given him up for a bag of punctured footballs. I if mean, someone would take and they the couldn't money, find right? anyone to take him. Right. And then, I mean, he doesn't make any sense on the roster. I, I think he might get cut. Like they could save uh, four or five million on their twenty twenty one cap if they just cut him. Wow, 
what I mean if <laughs> see now if they did that, where would he land? That's see, Seattle too, too far in the distance. Yeah, well, I mean. He would be bumming someone's life out. Though. Do not draft Leonard Fournette in the third round. He goes in the third round every single draft that I do. And this man plays on the worst team in the league as a running back and li- literally might get cut before the season occurs. But it's, but it's beautiful that he goes in the third. I don't, it, so I don't have to deal with it. Oh, that's true. It, he, he, gets he, bumps to the late good, he, he bumps good picks to us. Well, that, and if he's in the fourth, now I have to think about it. And I've got guys I really want in the fourth, so I don't want to have to think about that. Don't even um, take them in the fourth. Okay, there you go. Thank you. Now we're going to a backfield that is fun. And I've been arguing for the veteran in this backfield ever since Kansas City drafted Hilaire. I love Hilaire. Nobody needs to explain to me why he's special. All you have to do is freaking turn the freaking film on and watch. It's, like, really freaking obvious why this guy's good. But because he's Maurice Jones drew plus Austin Eckler. Yeah. Without, but, but MJD was like two twenty, yeah. <laughs> at like five, six. Right. There's no, oh, I mean, no, no one has yeah. the calves of uh, right. Maurice Jones drew the calves in the butt of Maurice yeah. Jones drew. I mean, th- you know, have you ever just like sit around and think that Jacksonville at the same time had Fred Taylor and Maurice Jones drew. And for about a year, they were both at the top of their game. Like, I mean, that's a that's an that's an astonishing amount. Fred of Fred Taylor is like a borderline Hall of Famer in terms of his ability to just run. Hell yeah, he is. <laughs> MJG like, kind of is too, maybe. Yeah, no, just in terms of like at their best, how good they were. Hell yeah, they both are. Yep. Anyway, so this backfield's sort of wild because now you've got Hilaire coming in. No doubt they're going to use the guy, but he's a long-term chip for them. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're Kansas City, you're. Why would you even think about giving Hilaire like 280 touches? Like, why would you even do no, that? There's no reason to do it. So Here, here's the thing about this backfield is that I think both guys can hit big. I, I think that they, that both of these guys now they, they can't mess around and, you know, use Daryl Williams and you define know, big while we're here. Um, like, like. Solid RB two big. Like Edwards Hilaire could you know catch like 50 plus passes and score 10 touchdowns and Damian Williams could catch you know 45 passes if not more uh and also score 10 touchdowns I mean well here's you know it's it's <laughs> these guys are such an unusual this, this offense is going to go fucking nuclear oh yeah and, and I, I know that it's already gone nuclear but like this offense could go truly nuclear they're going to go from hydrogen to plutonium I, yeah, I mean, they, they, they like are that. so set up to to just crush in in the climate. Um, freaking Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, you know, the offensive line is 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 fine. Um, you know, they uh, their skill position talent is just insane. They're they're the going to sch- crush. Yeah, the schedule is probably average. That's all they. That's fine for them. Yeah. That's fine. It does, yeah, it does, the schedule doesn't matter for them anyway, really. Um, but where I was going with this is basically just, just basically tagging on to everything you just said. There's no reason they have to fast track this play. He is a long term monster for them. He's going to have a great, like, ten year career for this team. Um, but for this year, Damian Williams works. He knows the system, and. It, yeah, but but here's here's what I want to try to get into just for a second. 
what I find so compelling about this tandem is that even though Hilaire is the smaller back, he's actually the better early down runner. And even though Damian Williams is the big, you know, thick back, he's actually the more dynamic big play pass catcher because he's got the long speed. So, like, mm. it would not shock me if this thing actually shook out where Hilaire is getting more action on early downs than late downs, and they're both making big plays, but, you know, Damian Williams is actually making more of the actual monster plays, like the 50-yard touchdowns. I, I think they're both going to open the season as just guys that you want to be starting, uh, and Damian Williams at the price that – and I keep having to move him up because his ADP yeah, is, like, the on the rounds. rise. And I always want to stay at because I want I want Establish the Run uh, subscribers to be getting Damian Williams. So I keep moving go. him up. Uh, but I've been having to like chase, you know, ADP because he keeps moving because people because smarter people are, are drafting every day. More right. smart people are drafting every day. And Damian Williams is a smart, smart pick, even though his ADP is headed for the sixth round now. I right. I, I, I got him a ton early on. I would get him in every single draft. And now I, I, he goes like a round before and I'm like, damn it, really? So, you know, after every draft, I'm like moving him up my rankings. Okay. So you and I are very much in the same spot. Very much. Okay. But let me just, I, I'm just going to have a little fun for a second. Here. Okay. So bear, just, just indulge me just for a second. But I, I didn't, you and I didn't talk when we were chatting about what I did in the fishbowl. So what I did is I had the two pick and I went Mahomes, came back around end around two and I took Tyreek. And then in the third round, I took Hilaire. Love it. Love it. And, and then in the eighth round, I got Damien. Love it. <laughs> so, okay, good. I, I, got, I got the Silva sign-off. And the, and the funny thing is the way that draft works, man, my receivers are Tyreek, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Devontae Parker, and Will Fuller. So, like, just on my fishbowl team, I really want the season to play out. Um, and and – <laughs> Where are you at? Because you, this is like your what second or third fishbowl? Uh, this is my second. This is your second. So, so now, so you, you're starting to understand the dynamic of the playoffs. It's it's not sure. dissimilar from the. From oh, the I had a great team right? last year. I, we we actually I, I drafted with Ryan Ryan Reynolds, who uh, does our waiver wire. Yeah, article. does your waiver. Uh, Ryan's great. Yeah, he's, he, sharp, he's sharp really dude. smart. He's really smart. I'm not going to lie. Um, a couple times I double-checked mine on your waiver wire last year. I'm like, I'm, I'm like what does Ryan think about this? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Um, and we did, a, uh, we, did a, we did a Colt stack with Andrew Luck. Obviously, it was before he re- freaking retired, right? And we well, that's did, what I was uh, going to ask you. What do you think, in terms of the stack, do you think it's – like, in that yeah. league, it's a viable move, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Go um, for it. You did a cold stack. Keep going. Yeah. And we, and we still finished like top 25 in points or something. And uh, I think we won our division or came in second. Like we had an awesome team. We got McCaffrey. We got uh, Godwin in the sixth round. Oh, baby. Yeah. We had, an, we had a, an awesome, awesome team. And we, we just streamed quarterbacks all year. We had, you know, we dabbled with uh, Drew Locke late in the year. We dabbled with Jeff Driscoll. I think we, we started, um, Brandon Allen when he had like two touchdowns or something. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Like we were just we were streaming hardcore. Did you have um, the Kyle Allen three touchdown game? Didn't you? Have one I of think those? we we probably started Kyle Allen <laughs> along the way. Dwayne Haskins. I don't know. You know, Case Keenum. But like oh, you know, that was it, it. Was exhilarating because we started and we were. I mean, we we're like our team is done. 
when Andrew Luck retired, like I think we took him like in the third round or, you know, or maybe even in the second, I can't remember, but um, it just goes to show you that, you know, diligence and, um, you know, work and, and work, working hard uh, throughout the year and, and dominating the waiver wire can really, really be a, a, a big help. The, the draft, the draft is so fun and, and, it, and it does have a big impact on how you're going to do in fantasy but you can overcome a bad draft, uh, no question. Hey, how great is um, Josh ADHD's app for that thing? Did oh, you check yeah. that out? Oh, yeah, He's, for sure. It's so cool that he does that every year. Um, all right. So I know you got to get going. We actually have done a – we put a pretty big dent in these running backs, man. We did a good job here. Um, here you know, here's an important question, actually. Let, let's stick with Kansas City because this offense is, to your point, so high-powered. Any back that might get in there for any reason – could be a monster. So let, let's say um, Damien and, and CEH are out partying one night and they both come down with COVID. <laughs> let's, just, let's just say that happens and my life ends. Yeah. There's four other backs there right, right now, right? We got Darwin Thompson, DeAndre Washington, who's an in-division pickup. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to ignore that. Uh, like DeAndre Washington is the answer. Is he? Okay. Yeah, okay. I think so. I think so. Right. And, I, and I, lot, I think DeAndre Washington is good. I actually like – well, you know, Andy Reid's sort of good at picking running backs. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I mean, I actually think Elijah McGuire from the Jets is not a terrible player. Um, and I'm a big fan of Darrell Williams, but he's coming off an ACL. Um, so you think Washington. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I was going to like Washington a lot had the Chiefs obviously not, you know, drafted a running back in the first round. But, I mean, if it had been Damian and DeAndre Washington – which, by the way, I think the Chiefs would have been fine with that. Completely well, sure. fine. They'd be fine with Damian and Elijah McGuire. <laughs> right. So, but, but DeAndre, I mean, I, I, I think he's like a perfect fit for them. They only gave him like a minimum deal. But you're, right. that's a good point that they pulled him out of the division. They see him twice a year. Right. You know. They know so, what they And they were like, yo, we want this dude on our team. Right. Um, I don't know. He, he could actually get cut. I mean, because he has a minimum contract and, right. you know, there's no, no real guaranteed money there. And, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think that he would be the guy after those guys. Okay. Giddy up. Let's jump down to, and it, this is sort of a, well, I mean, I, my take on this backfield is pretty clean. Some people have a, a nuanced take on this backfield. Obviously Eckler leads the charger backfield. That's easy. Um, I've got Eckler as my 11th overall back. I like him a lot. I wish he did not get stuck with these quarterbacks who I don't think are going to be able to feed him targets the way – I mean, Rivers just peppers running backs yeah. with targets. He's going to lose like – I mean, he caught over 90 balls last year. He's going to lose right. like 30 off that. Yeah, so that's a problem. Um, but behind Eckler – now, a lot of people like Josh Kelly. I'm not a Josh Kelly guy. I'm just not. And I do like Justin Jackson. Do, do you have a preference with those two players? Um, I think they're just, I think they're just role players and, okay. uh, yeah. I guess what I'm saying is, are you going to take a guess at which one's ahead of the other? Maybe just go with the veteran on this, just since it's that kind of year. I don't even know. I, cause they, they use fairly significant draft capital on Josh Kelly. That's true. I don't know. I, I've been, I, I don't like this offense. Number one, I don't like the offense. Um, I, they're going to, I think they're going to be one of the slowest offenses in the league. Uh, I actually do kind of like Tyrod uh, independently as like a, a guy sure. that no one wants to take as like a quarterback two slash three, but 
I don't want any part of uh, Mike Williams. They're going to have low passing volume. They're going to have low offensive play volume. Uh, their defenses could just be nasty. Right. Um, Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram up front, uh, Justin Jones in, in the Derwin back, Derwin James. James. I oh mean, my come God. on now. You know? That guy's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Casey Hayward. Uh, they, they're, yeah. they're, I don't think they're going to be a, a good source of fantasy production. Um, I, I have a little bit of optimism on Eckler and Hunter Henry, but – I, I never get these guys in drafts. I never get them in drafts. See, see, now you're talking about the pace, which is sort of a reality mm -hmm. slap to me, because I think the switch to Tyrod actually helps Mike Williams because he buys time and he's going to go downfield more than Rivers. So I just think he puts William in the game a little bit. But I think your point on pace is a pretty good sobering factor there. Let, let's move down if, to the Rams. If you, if you go back and look at the history of Tyrod, like every single year that he's been – you know, the starter for the majority of, of his team's games, the team has finished like bottom three in pass attempts every single year. Pass attempts in general or pass attempts? Pass attempts. I'm, I'm thinking like, why would that? Well, now he paid, he played for Roman, right? Wasn't he? Yeah. But, so that's a factor. Um, sure. There's just there, there's there's a style of there's a style with which you have to play when Tyrod Taylor is your quarterback because he's right. got limitations. He's got some strengths too that a lot of quarterbacks don't that don't have, you know. But it's like it, when you look at where Rivers throws the ball versus where Tyrod throws the ball, yeah, it, it just seems that when you just sort of lay those things over each other, it hurts Keenan, it hurts Henry a little, and I think it helps the outside receiver. But then I, this is my opinion. But then I think the your point on the volume is really well taken. I think this team wants to slow it down. Yep. Of course they do. And I, I think that they want to win close games, you know. Yeah. And I don't think they will, but that's another thing. They might. Uh, hey, Derwin James, think? he's a field flipper now, you know. That, yeah, dude, Derwin James. <laughs> and let's not talk about safeties because the Jets traded Jamal Adams. and yeah. It was a good trade. They did the right thing. It was. But if you're a Jet fan, it's like, okay, now I have nothing but Darnold to watch. Um but let's talk about the Rams because the Ra this is a backfield that is very much live. I mean, uh, you could – I mean, almost anything could happen with this backfield. Where you – where? I mean, I know there's people out there who are carrying a torch for Henderson. I mean, I'm on acres, all things equal, but he's a rookie. And Malcolm Brown, I think people – a lot of people don't realize that he's actually good, especially when it comes to just running. So – this backfield could just be super ugly, right? Where yet? Yeah, absolutely it could. Uh, the offensive line isn't very good either. Uh, they return all five starters, but they didn't have a good offensive line last year. That's right. one thing that we talked about a lot on the Brandon Thorn Thorne podcast. You think that's um, a reason they might use a lot of double tight end? Is that part of the reason? Or is that just that they want to get those two guys on the field? I don't think that they're going to use a lot of double tight end. Oh, you th okay. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna use a lot of. Um, you think Everett's gonna be lightly used? No, I think that Everett and Higby are gonna like share time evenly. Oh, okay. Oh, so Higby's good. So if, in your world, Higby could be a big disappointment. Oh, huge, huge. Okay. All right. There you go. That's, um, that's interesting. I mean, they drafted Van Jefferson. You know, uh, underrated guy. Tight route catches it. Oh, his dad is Sean Jefferson, right? Who yeah, was like, no, he's, you remember? Sean Jefferson was the wide receivers <laughs> coach for the Titans, and yeah, uh, just he had Justin Hunter. Justin Hunter was one of his receivers who we all remember famously <laughs> because every time we played him, he would do nothing. 
Um, but he he was a big he time talent. He could jump. And he could jump. He <laughs> was six four, you know. And um, Sean Jefferson uh, put pinned in place of uh, Justin Hunter's last name on his jersey. Just a guy. To try I know. To I remember him. that. I remember. To try that. to motivate him. You remember that? And, it didn't really uh, work. Didn't work. <laughs> Did not work. <laughs> But, uh, so, but, but you know that he's a stickler for the details, obviously, and that certainly rubbed off on Van. Van is coming off of Liz Frank surgery and is 24 already. Right. So, I mean, just a horrible, horrible second-round pick for the Rams. But, yeah, I, uh, I was but, blown but, away. But, but signifies that. that they want to continue to run out uh, a lot of wide receivers. I, I think they're going to continue to be a, um, you know, a, an 11 personnel team. So you think they're going to run a lot of, th- so, in, so, okay. In, in Evan Silva's world, then you've got to at least think about Josh Reynolds, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. He's, there yeah. You go. he's, he's, he's in, he's in our top 150. He's going to, he's going to be, he's really a better, much better best ball pick. You're not going to be able to rely on him, right. but I think he's, you know, he might have like three, a hundred yard games. If you were going to focus year. on one of these Rams backs based on the ADP you're looking at, uh, Daryl Henderson, Daryl okay. Henderson would be my there guy. And I really, really liked him coming out of Memphis, man. I mean, he's a lot of fun to watch and his efficiency is just, was just outrageous. Um, I don't know what's your, why, why did Daryl Henderson not fire at all in, in year one? It's a good question. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I wasn't as high on him as a lot of people, but I, I wasn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, peg myself as a naysayer either um you know <laughs> well the the matt waldman and and i and i i i have major respect for um for you know matt waldman and oh, yeah. um, uh, 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 moyer uh jay moyer on twitter yeah um and my uh my computer is about to die here but no problem, uh, man. uh we're gonna do lightning like, round to get out of here Okay, uh, Daryl Henderson, they, they think it was because Daryl Henderson was a gap scheme runner at mm-hmm. Memphis and the Rams were so heavy on zone and he just didn't pick it up at all, um, which I think made sense after watching him in the preseason. He yep. did, when he had opportunities in the regular season, I didn't think he looked bad at all. He, he had some explosive runs in specific games. He was a really he did good not get inside. He was a really good inside zone runner. Yes, yes. Like inside zone. Um, right. At least, at least the film that I'm, that my old man brain can remember. Mm-hmm. Let's. I, I. You got to get going. So let's real mm-hmm. quick, just for the sense of completion, let's just jump through quickly some of these backfields. So Raiders, I'm pretty sure you like Josh Jacobs. Um, yeah, I very, think everybody likes Josh Jacobs. It's just how many uh, passes he's going to catch because they right. locked up Jalen Rashard and then they drafted Lynn Bowden in the third right. round. Right now. Who do you think's the backup back this year? It should be Rashad, right? Yeah, I would think so. Yes. Okay. Let's jump down to Miami because Miami's eh, there's two guys there who we're talking about. Um, I look at Jordan Howard and I, I just wonder how good could he possibly be for fantasy on a mediocre team. So I'm sort of leaning to the cheaper Brita, but I like both of these guys relative to their, you know, the consensus views on these players. Do you have a take on this backfield? No interest in either. Worst offensive line in the league. Offense yep. is going to be trash. Okay, good. Moving on. Um, where are you at with the Dalvin Cook holdout thing? Uh, largely unworried. Largely unworried. Because he really can't hold out, can he? 
not at a training him. camp. If he holds out a training camp, he becomes a restricted free agent. That would next right. next year. That would be a disaster. Right. Exactly. So I mean, this. So unless Dalvin is getting exceedingly bad information, he's probably going to show up soon. No, there, he's just it's it's just all uh, negotiations. It's, it's right. very similar to what happened with Raheem Mostert. Mostert you right. you okay. know, requesting the trade, and then he got what he wanted. Okay. And just before we jump off of Minnesota. If you were going to handcuff, it would be Madison, but you think maybe it's not a clean handcuff? Correct. Just based on – okay, good. Correct. Let's jump down to New England because New England, this yeah, baby's yeah, wide this open. This is interesting. <laughs> it really is. Um, Sony Michelle's got injury stuff, so we don't even know when he's going to be around to start taking some reps. Uh, James White, we're now pairing with Cam Newton, which is not a good fit for James White like at all, in my opinion. I agree with um, that. I mean, people and, will point to McCaffrey that um, – in 2018 um, but yeah they not, can do that if that's they want. not enough for me enough <laughs> yeah me neither I, I like damien harris dude okay I, so do i um yes but let's we're just before we get to him let's get to one guy who you and i both have personal love for oh sexy sexy, sexy rexy i only um, have i only own two nfl football player jerseys one i bought jay jay cutler just to like go out on halloween one time and the other one is rex burkhead Dude, I remember like it was maybe four years ago at this point, but I said something to the effect of Cincinnati should not be playing freaking Jeremy or Geo. They should just yeah. play Burkhead. And people right. are like, dude, you are smoking crack. And I'm like, whatever. I don't care. Uh, and I just want to say it does look as stupid today as it did then. Um, but let's go to Damian Harris because he's the interesting guy. Yeah. Well-schooled fundamental football player. Underrated feet. He's got good feet, pretty good blocker, solid receiver. He, he doesn't have a whole lot of special to him, but he's got a lot of solid to him, right? Now, you were talking about – I didn't actually know this. Was there a thing with him and Brady? Brady didn't trust him, rookie, didn't pick it oh, up. Oh, I mean, thing? if you read the Jeff Howe piece, uh, he had, you know, certain injuries before the season. And, I mean, again, veteran quarterbacks, like – rookies need to earn their their trust man i mean and Nikhil harry and damian harris were never in any position to earn any trust from tom brady so damian harris and and Nikhil harry i mean they you know Nikhil harry needed like desperation to get on the field they didn't even activate him um off of uh ir uh designated until like three weeks after he was ready to go um he wound up playing just out of pure necessity. Uh, and then with Damian Harris, I mean, yeah, you know, Brady knew Sony Michelle. He knew James White. He knew Burkhead. He knew Brandon Bolden. Brandon right. Bolden, like, you remember, he scored some touchdowns. He vultured some touchdowns last year. So I, I think there's a clean slate now with, with Cam. And um, I think things can be a little different. Yeah, for sure. We, we don't have time to go down the Cam rabbit hole, but I can't wait to see what this offense looks like with Cam. That's the one reason. I, I would say it's top five reasons I want to see some football this year is I want to see what that offense looks like with Cam Newton. Um, Saints pretty easy. Kamara's a beast. Murray's probably an underrated kind of handcuff option, anti-fragility, whatever you want to call him. Any, anything you want to throw at us? Nope. That's it. Uh, best offensive line in the league, according to Brandon uh, Thorne's rankings. Actually, in, in their own tier. Uh, so he, does, he does tiers, and they're in their own tier as the clearly elite 
offensive line in the league. And they, they and they they're deep too. They've got uh, a couple of guys that they can bring off the bench, like like Nick Easton, uh, that have starting experience in the league and uh, can just jump in for another starter. That line is sick. They do like moving sick. pockets. They do shit that nobody else does. It's ridiculous. Anyway, uh, Giants. I guess Deion Lewis is a little bit of a story there. Probably, uh, probably the guy I would want after Barkley. Or would you rather have Gallman? Could be Gallman. Could know. be. Javon Leak. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Saquon is the story. Okay. Yeah. Jets, Le'Veon Bell. I, I would be oh. actually surprised if he didn't get a lot of volume this year. I would be surprised. But you know what? It's the Jets. Who the freaking hell knows? Um, I mean, they, they didn't sign Frank Gore to uh, – well, they should have. They should have hired Frank Gore as the head coach. Is what they should have done. <laughs> well, does Frank Gore have enough to buy the team? <laughs> anyway, um, look. He's been in the I, league a lot of years, making millions of dollars. He should. He, yeah, you, you know, never know. I'm sure. Hey, I'm sure he's doing well on the home front. You can take Bell for volume. Apart from that, just avoid the freaking Jets like poison. Um, Philadelphia backfield really looks like Sanders and Scott now. You know, I, I don't know if there's much else to talk about there unless there's an injury. Um, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh backfield. I'm all on James Conner. Sounds like Me the too. world's caught. Yeah. Okay. So we're both clean there. Me too. The problem the world's is caught he up was to a us. fifth round pick, you know, yeah. a month ago, and now he's going in the second. So yeah. Well, you know, well, that might be a little. This high, is but... this is one of the great examples of dra- like why drafting early can really you can gain a lot of equity uh, drafting early. A lot of people like they're like, oh, you can't draft until you've seen all the preseason games, you know, but. Like just draft all throughout the year, and then you can really get, um, you know, get get a get a hang on a, a handle on ADP, and you can get a handle on like trends that are happening. I mean, I know a lot of people just a lot of people don't play fantasy like that, but more and more people are starting to play fantasy like that, and they they know the benefits of drafting early. Yeah, and you know what's also interesting about I, like what you're saying is something I did last year, not so much this year because I've been like hunting for food trying to not get COVID and shit like that. But like last year, this is sort of interesting. What I found was is that as ADP was changing throughout the course of, like you get the early ADP, then you get the post-draft ADP, and then you get the slowly waking up ADP from that point forward, right? And what I found is that it, I ended up getting natural differentiation just because I started taking different players exactly, as the ADP Exactly, exactly. Your, your, port, your portfolio sort of expands, you know? Right. Like right. you, you know, you're, you're like, what people are taking Raheem Moster in the fourth round right now. And then he requests a trade. Boom. His ADP goes into the seventh round. You're like, Oh, and now shit. I got shares. I'm gobbling exactly. up Raheem Mostert right. now. And then he, and then he gets signed to the, you know, he gets a raise and now he's going to go to the third round. You're like, Hey, I got my Mostert shares, you know? Exactly. So I don't have to sit there and like arbitrarily right. move shares around. I can just sort of let the arc of the off season create my diversity for exactly me, if that exactly. makes sense um okay so we did pittsburgh um so seattle holy crap um i hate to say it carson is a reasonable late round pick at this point excuse me hyde is a reasonable late round pick at this point i agree it pisses agree. me off but it's a true thing um rashad penny no nope the acl is a thing but here's the only interesting thing about Penny. I'm not drafting anybody in a year that could be shortened that is going to open the season on no, no, no. reserve PUP. Okay. I'm not saying, like by the time that Rashad Penny is eligible <laughs> to come back, this season is going to be over. 
<laughs> okay, that's definitely true. But what I, here, here's what I was going to say. I think Penny could be a guy who actually makes a big impact at some point, especially if he's staying away from the team. Like maybe he's actually like quarantining for six weeks. Yeah, but knowing his history, he's probably going to come back weighing like 275 and they're going to put him at fullback. You're making a strong point. Let's let's dump down to San Francisco. Well, actually, is yeah. is there anything else that you can say about Seattle that can give people any direction? Right now, I'm no. just sort of – Chris Carson's coming off a hip fracture. Exactly. I'm hip not buying fracture. it. Right. I'm not touching that. I'm not, I'm not drafting. Because he's – um, I like Chris Carson. I, I respect and, – and, like and then they drafted – or they, they signed Carlos Hyde and they drafted DJ Dallas in the fourth round. Right. I the just thing of, Chris Carson – Chris Carson takes shots to the hip. Like he's oh, a guy who gets oh, he gets he, hit a lot he in the gets hip. Hammered every his running run. right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I love the dude, but same here. And and he's a guy where he's a guy I should listen to you. I, I admit it. I was slow to wake up on Chris Carson, but the hip oh, injury, I loved him as a rookie. Yeah, we, you did. We, you, we, we we we've been high on him like every yeah. every step of the way, and and, I, and and we've been right. And this year, I don't think so. I don't think no, you got no. You got to do what you got to do. Um, we're almost done here. We're going to make it. Okay. San Francisco. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Mostert. I, I you know, now oh my. am I, I going to buy into Shanahan? Like, like, don't ever try to read Shanahan's mind. Like, it's a surefire way to lose money. But since the discount is baked in, I'm, I'm really cool. Fifth, sixth round, taking a, a Mostert, I'm fine with that. Oh, I don't think it, I don't think he's gonna be lasting that. that yeah, that no, late, you're right. Though, after this, uh, after this right. raise, He'll I, move I, back I, I, late he, he was in the fourth round for a long time. He was in the fourth round for a long time on on on, on uh, FFPC. Now I think, dude, I'm telling you, this running back thirst is insane. I it think is. he's gonna start going third round. I think he's gonna start really? to go in the third round. Yes, the time to buy him was. Immediately after Brett Tesler, his agent, announced that they were requesting a trade, and then he started going to sixth and seventh, like every single draft. You know, it's and so now weird. he's gonna he's gonna bounce up huge. He's gonna bounce up huge. It was such an easy situation to read. First of yeah. all, his agent had to do what he did because the guy's not making right. any yeah. money at all. It was. Right. I mean, San Francisco yeah. did the right thing. Everybody did the right thing there. Exactly. Um, the one thing about this backfield is that the other three backs are all. At least if your league is deep enough, they're worth roster. Coleman, obviously. McKinnon, yep. real deep. And then nobody talks about Jeff Wilson. But at the bare He's minimum. Big plays the past two years. Sh- damn right he has. At the bare minimum, Jeff Wilson's a name you got to know for COVID this year. Because if, if he Definitely. ends up starting three games, he could light it up. Because uh, that scheme works. Uh, we talked about Tampa. We talked about Tennessee. I, I think it's, it's, it's worth uh, discussing that or, you know, just noting that um, – Tevin Coleman's ADP is going to suffer as a result of the Raheem Mostert pay raise. Yeah. And, you know, you can start to get Tevin Coleman in like the 10th or 11th. Kyle Shanahan loves Tevin Coleman. He does. And, yeah. and you know what? I don't dislike Tevin Coleman, but man, there was a couple of weeks last year where it was uninspired. Well, he had a high <laughs> ankle sprain and then he had a shoulder injury. I guess. Well, yeah, I'm talking more towards the end. So when I, he had maybe a shoulder was, injury. Maybe it was a shoulder injury. Maybe yeah. he was trying to avoid getting hit. Maybe that's it. Could be right. Let's talk about Washington while, while we're here, and then we're going to spike the ball. Talk about this whiskey for a minute, and we'll, and we'll get you out of Dodge. Um, I'm on Geis in the seventh round. Okay. I like Darius Geis. I respect I think, that. I'm, I'm good I, with that. I haven't gotten a single Darius Geis, but 
I'm intrigued by it. Uh, Levitan thinks that Adrian Peterson is going to get cut, although he's been betting for against Adrian Peterson for years and, and <laughs> <That's true. laughs> taking a lot of L's, you know. But freaking um, Peterson, man! I mean, he's running. Adrian on one Peterson leg. had some incredible oh, runs, really, the past like two, three years. I mean, he, when he's, he's been no- healthy, he sometimes he looks like he's back in his prime. He really does. With, with the exception of being able to string like second and third cuts. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, He's so like, I mean, he just, oh, he's, he, what a it, gifted dude. He's probably he better be first ballot hall of fame. The thing about Peterson, I like, you know, best back ever. I don't know, but no best, best runner of the football runner. ever. Yeah. You could make an argument that he is the best runner of the football ever. Barry Sanders has got him, but man, he is. Yeah, I mean AP is what an insane. I mean, go back and watch his highlights with uh, Paul Allen, the Vikings um, play-by-play guy, who's just so freaking awesome. He's like, every time Adrian Peterson would like get you know ahead of steam, he'd be like, and he's loose, and <laughs> it's just such a great call. And Such the year a great after call. the ACL, remember everybody fading him, including me, by the way. Oh, the it was the, the ACL, ACL, PCL, MCL. Oh he ripped every freaking ligament, and, and he, he came he, back. And what, what did, he, did he run for two thousand then the next year? I mean, I don't have the data in front of me, but it was, it, it had to be that because I mean, I like I'm what a freak. Like I'm blushing now. Just I mean, I, I had him in the second round that year. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? Uh, now I think your look. process was good and the result was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I made the mistake of no one had ever done that. I mean, no, you're right, but I made the mistake of evaluating Adrian Peterson. I think he also tore his being. patellar tendon or something. I mean, two two thousand ninety seven yards, twelve touchdowns. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And he caught forty. And he caught forty balls. Unreal. Unfreaking real. Okay, man. So look, is. The one other thing I would say about the Washington backfield while we're there, and they're no longer the Redskins backfield, which is, I guess, a nice story. Um, but I'm a big, huge fan of Bryce Love. Now, I don't know what kind of condition he's in. He was having trouble getting full range of motion after his ACL surgery last year, and I haven't really heard much of him since then. But all I'm going to say is if I hear that Bryce Love is issue-free, then my ears are going to perk up on Bryce Love. Other than that, I'm fading Antonio Gibson, and I don't have much else to say about this battle. Okay. And, I don't dis- um, and I don't dislike Antonio Gibson. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. My, my daughter's calling, and I, my, 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 uh, my computer's about to, to run out. So, it's about to die. We're, uh, we're but, done, hey, this brother. has been an absolute blast. Uh, Dude, it was fun. Yeah, so, so fun. It's always so fun talking ball with you. And we said and, we weren't um, going to do two hours. Let, let's do it every single year. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah. Hell, I might, I might, I might bang on your door again this year. Yeah, you're never gonna have the time. But we can. Anyway, dude. Well, maybe I will. I mean, these teams aren't even oh, giving well, me practice. Let's let's pray we don't have the time. Um, so last thing we're gonna do here, given that you're drinking it with Seven Up, makes it a little harder. Thumbs up or thumbs down on the barrel bourbon? Thumbs up. It's been. I think it's been smooth. You know, it hasn't. You know, I think it's been a good show. It could have been a bad show. If it was, uh, you know, too bad, but uh, no, it's 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 been a, a ton of fun talking ball and you know drinking a little of this uh, new whiskey that's uh, new to both of us. And you know and, what, bro? Um, I mean, I did it. four drams, and I feel like 
I don't know. I don't think I embarrassed myself in the second half here. Neither did no, you. No, not at all. Not at all. I think we're still we're still still lucid. Not bad. Anyway, man, go deal with your daughter. Have a good okay. night. Congratulations on the new house, my friend. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate right, it, Pete. Have, have a great season. We'll see you soon. All right, man. Later. Okay, so that wraps up two hours of uh, fantasy football, whiskey consumption, and running back chat. Evan, thanks again for coming on. Folks, for those of you who made it all the way through, thanks for the dedication. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Fantasy Highland. Be good. I'm drowning in a whiskey river. Bathing my memory of mine in the wetness of its soul. Healing the amber current flowing from my mind. And warm and empty heart you left so cold. Whiskey River, take my Don't run dry